You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy episode 502. Listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, the view from our side of the cockpit door, with your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 1A at APG headquarters in Lake Burton, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 21st of December, 2021. Today's episode, an Australian freighter pilot has trouble flying level because of the cargo weight distribution, a first for sustainable aviation fuel, more news, your feedback, and today's plane tale, how it starts. So get all settled in, tray cables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions, electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 502 is ready for pushback. Thank you, Radio Roger. He is an award-winning TV and radio reporter currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. 1010 wins in New York City. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, Georgia. And joining me from her lakeside studio in South Dr. Skydiver, marathon runner, sprint training junkie, IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi-engine instrument rated backstabbing jumper dumper is Dr. Staff. Hey, Captain Jeff. I feel like you need like to put a, a breath pause in there, like just in the middle of it after like maybe strength training junkie and before IPA connoisseur. That way you don't... Um, Nah, it wouldn't be a challenge for me. Much. I, 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 oh, okay. I want to well, try to get it all carry out. Carry on with the challenge then. Anyway, lovely to see you all. Merry Christmas almost. Looking forward to a great show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. And uh, also joining us from his studio in Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire. Professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340, captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. It's Captain Nick. Retard. <laughs> I don't think you did that quite right, Jeff. Uh, sounded good to me. Back on. <laughs> I, I'm suffering from a little bit of confusion here because uh, is this the plane talking UK show? Well, I, I understand. Oh, hang on a second. Hang on. You're you're jumping the gun. You're jumping the shark, or whatever the <laughs> phrase is. But we also have from her studio in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, retired financier <laughs> and an aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master, and our producer director, Liz Piper. Hi, everybody. Hello, Liz. Great to see you. And also joining us, we have a guest host with us today, sitting right next to Dr. Steph in the Lakeside Studio. It's creator and host of the Plane Talking UK Aviation Podcast, radio host and professional DJ. It's Carlos Stebbings. Hello, everybody. 
Should I say that in an American accent? Or? No. 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 Okay, I'll stick to British. We've, we've tried to be discouraging, discouraging his American accent. It's not good. No. Yeah, I'm the expert. <laughs> if you want some assistance, no. no also, not. not the expert. Yeah. So you guys can get together over Christmas and practice your American uh, accents um, and be terrible at it together. Greetings from Do- from Doctor Steph's amazing house here, and uh, it's it's very it's a pleasure for me to be on uh, such a spectacular show. Oh, well, it's all, the pleasure is all ours, Carlos. Hey, what do you think we do? Uh, oh, we'll see you, Liz. And, Hi, Liz. Uh, Hi, Liz. Um, oh, Liz, you really shouldn't say terrible things like that. Oh, well. <laughs> let's, all about uh, Carlos, right? Yeah, well, oh, yeah, everybody okay. else, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, let's do some uh, news. What do you think? Yep. Stand by for news. All right. The first one in our news notebook is this one. Uh, an Azul, Azul, A20 November at, I guess that's an A320, 200. Yeah. Registration, Papa Romeo, Yankee Romeo Hotel, performing flight 2751 from Cuyaba to... Cuyaba, sure. Okay. Sounds Sa- pretty good. Sa- Sao Paulo, uh, Brazil with... Uh, yeah, they always say that. and They're lying. 132 people on board was accelerating for takeoff from Coabas runway 35 when the crew rejected takeoff at about 88 knots over the ground due to a hydraulic fault indication. The aircraft slowed safely and came to a stop about 700 meters, 780 meters or 2550 feet down the runway. A female passenger jumping down from the aircraft rather than using the slide received a fracture of her leg during the evacuation. Eight other passengers received minor injuries as a result of the evacuation. The airline reported that the aircraft suffered a mechanical malfunction, prompting the crew to reject takeoff. The Aviation Herald received information that a passenger mistaking the flash of the red rotating beacon light as fire and shouted, fire, opened an emergency exit and exited or evacuated via the slide, followed by other passengers. However, as the engines had not yet been shut down, uh uh-oh, the Whoopsie. slide was blown away. <laughs> it was just blown away. And passengers jumped rather than slid down. The flight crew subsequently instructed all emergency exits to be opened and ordered an orderly evacuation. On December 2nd, 2021, Brazil's, uh, I guess, investigatory agency reported during the takeoff roll, the alarm panel displayed a message related to the hydraulic system. The crew rejected takeoff, still at low speed. After the aircraft stopped on the runway, an evacuation occurred without the commander's command. Uh, One passenger sustained a serious injury. No investigation was opened. On December 16, uh, Brazil's CENIPA, uh, C-E-N-I-P-A, had changed their initial information, now stating an investigation into the accident has been opened and is now in progress. And then uh, Liz was showing you some of the photos from the uh, incident and the... uh, uncommanded evacuation. And so I, the only thing I'd like to say right off the bat is, and they don't say this in the report and we don't have any passenger video that I could find anyway, regarding this. It's, I'm wondering if after the initiation of the abort, the, uh, if the camp, if the commander of the aircraft said anything at all, I mean, uh, it's very much stressed to us at ACME that you need to get 
in on top of a situation like this immediately and tell people to stay seated and keep their seatbelts fastened and await further instructions unless you know for sure that you're going to be doing an evacuation. So um, it's uh, I'm wondering if maybe they didn't hear anything from the from the uh, cockpit and they just decided that uh, this was a situation where they needed to get out of the airplane. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I quite agree, Jeff. It's important to establish uh, that everyone on the flight deck is okay uh, because even on a slow speed abort, um, it, it can still be traumatic. Um, they rejected it. 88 knots so um that's above the 70 knot threshold so the brakes would have come on full it would have been quite um alarming in the cabin because when those brakes come on the airplane stops so quickly it is quite remarkable and the passengers will have never have felt anything like that before um so uh, yeah they they might be alarmed um and yet you're right it is important for either the captain or at least the cabin crew to come on and tell everyone to stand by uh the usual call is something like uh, cabin crew and passengers stand by and in my outfit that we you while you assessed the danger of the situation and then in my outfit uh, you would make the decision to either evacuate or say um everyone uh, passengers and cabin crew keep your seats uh which would be the indication that particularly to the cabin crew, they can um, relax a little. But the cabin crew should have been right on the PA and they should have been looking down the cabin because they're the only ones that can see the passenger reaction, uh, right ready with the PA just in case someone tried to do something stupid like this. So uh, perhaps the passengers involved uh, opening their exit were just too excitable uh, to uh, listen to the PA, but I'd have been, if I'd been, I'd be screaming down the PA to keep your seats. Um, having said that, once the evacuation started, uh, not necessarily a bad idea to keep it going, although, as we've seen, um, you're going to get injuries during an evacuation, even if all the slides are out there and normally positioned, because you go down them pretty fast, people run into each other, you've got elderly well, or frail or and in this case someone just jumped instead of taking the slide yeah, because the slide absolutely yeah, it's like a blown away yeah blown away and, and even a little air little single line airplane like a 320 it's quite a drop so sure. yeah you're quite oh, likely yeah, to, quite high yeah um, to hurt yourselves yeah you know it's um i guess it's really not part of the actual um safety brief at the beginning you know if there is an emergency to await instruction on what to do um, oddly enough, we tell that to skydivers all the time. If there's an onboard emergency, like they are supposed to stay put until we tell them what to do. And that's, you know, emphasized on a fairly regular basis, um, because also they have access to a door that they can leave from in the back, <laughs> which is um, a little bit different, um, at any phase of flight. But, um, yeah, you, you know, it's, 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 it sounds counterintuitive a little bit, but if you think about it, you know, uh, uh, a lot of passengers, if there's something out of the ordinary like this happening, their, their instinctual reaction is going to be one of concern and panic and run away. Hey, run away! something is wrong. Get, get out of this airplane now. And unless someone's telling them otherwise and reassuring them, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to stop that process. Yeah, that's why it's very much stress for us is like one of the first things that happens when the airplane is almost at a stop or comes to a stop is this is the captain. Please remain seated with your seatbelts mm -hmm. fastened, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. just to kind of stop any 
uncommanded evacuation. So you hear that all the time too, you know, even just regular taxiing to the gate, you know, it's for, for those of us who do it regularly or paying attention to what's going on, it's very obvious when you're not yet at the gate and you've stopped short. Um, a lot of people have no idea. The plane comes to the stop, they stand up and start taking things out of the overhead bin. And, oh, yeah. you know, Especially these days because the, everybody has the oh, window shades down. So they're not even yeah, looking at they're not paying attention. It's like, oh, we stopped and, here. Let's get yeah, off. Must be like, time you know. to get out. Yeah. And yeah. So it's, it's, you got to be quick with those announcements. Yep. Got a connection to make. Got to get out. Right. All right. Anything to add, Carlos? No, only, only what um, you guys just said, in fact, that, you know, the, when I landed here at Charlotte, um, on the American Airlines A320 I flew in on, the minute, literally the minute that we'd stopped at the gate, everyone was standing up, taking their belts off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even before the seatbelt. Yeah, they were taking their belts yeah. off? Or were they going to oh, drop their yeah. trousers or something? They're going to start hitting people. I don't know. Perhaps that's had too an American much, too much, tradition. Too much food yeah. over the holidays. we got to make some more room here. Uh, and I'll say another thing as well. that the, the uh, There was hardly any safety briefing at all on that <sighs> flight. Literally, hardly any safety uh, safety brief. Was it was it a pre recorded one or is it one that they had to do um, manually? Manually, but the, like they, the, there was it's almost like there was one crew member for like the whole aircraft because he's running up and down the, up the <laughs> aisle, doing the front end first, showing then running down the overwing what? where we were. <laughs> yeah, honestly, honestly, it was wow. that was how it was. Yeah, not normal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Okay, well, taking the belts off and getting the party started. Welcome to Charlotte. Welcome hey. to Charlotte. <laughs> Have a nice day. <laughs> We've had uh, a party here. Since since they're party good. people, for sure. All right, uh, let's move on then with uh, this next item here. A CG, Center of Gravity Beyond Rear Limit, causes controllability issues on a Metroliner. This is from the uh, Aviation uh, Safety Network. Um, Swearingen Metro Freighter aircraft's pilot had to use forward pressure on the control column to maintain level flight after ground handlers estimated the weight of freight that was relocated into the aircraft's nose by feel. I'm not sure what that means. I keep reading that sentence going, I don't understand what they're talking about by feel. They were guessing at the weight by how much it felt in their arms, I guess. Oh, okay. Uh, this resulted in the aircraft center of gravity falling outside of the rear limit, an Australian Transport Safety Bureau investigation into the occurrence details. On the 11th of May 2020, so a, a little while ago, uh, a twin turboprop Metro 23 aircraft operated by Toll Aviation was being loaded for a scheduled freight service from Townsville to Brisbane via Rockhampton in Queensland. Prior to takeoff from Townsville, The pilot completed a load and trim sheet based on a load plan provided by the ground handling team. A load and trim sheet is used to calculate the total weight on board and to ensure the distribution of that weight does not shift the aircraft center of gravity beyond lateral and longitudinal limits, which is critical to ensure stable, controllable flight. The pilot's calculation indicated the distribution of freight throughout the aircraft's six main zones was too heavily weighted to the rear. To address this, the pilot and ground handlers agreed 126 kilograms of freight would be moved out of the aircraft's third zone compartment and into the nose storage compartment. The resulting discrepancy between the pilot's planned load and trim sheet and the actual load distribution on the aircraft was not initially enough to put the aircraft's center of gravity outside the allowable limits. However, when the aircraft landed in Rockhampton, Uh, More freight was loaded into the rear half of the aircraft, and the center of gravity shifted further aft, beyond the allowable limit. On the second leg of the journey, the pilot reported the aircraft had a strong pitch-up tendency, 
and that strong forward pressure on the flight control controls was required to maintain the correct pitch attitude. So it was probably beyond the, uh, the capability of the trim system to trim out those uh, control pressures. Uh, during cruise, the autopilot would not consistently maintain level flight. The pilot disconnected the autopilot, and with full nose-down trim applied, the pilot had to maintain forward pressure to control the pitch attitude. After landing safely in Brisbane, the pilot discussed the incident with the ground maintenance engineers, and the freight of each compartment was reweighed as it was unloaded. The pilot subsequently completed a new load and trim sheet using the actual weights, and the center of gravity was found to be aft of the rear limit. That's no good. Additionally, when accounting for the weight added in Rockhampton, the new data showed the aircraft was actually about 6 kilograms above its maximum takeoff weight when it initially took off from Townsville. Uh, let's see. Due to the fuel burn during the first leg of the flight, the aircraft had come under its weight limit by the time it landed and took off again in Rockhampton. Uh, the ATSB's investigation found the operator's ground handling manual did not contain detailed procedural guidance for facilitating accurate redistribution of freight and ensuring that an aircraft would be correctly loaded. Following the incident, Toll amended its ground handling processes and included increased direction to ensure that freight would be accurately redistributed in the event of a last-minute change. And then notably, I thought this was interesting, the operator has since divested its flying operations to another operator and, re and relinquished its air operator's certificate. And I'm, I'm assuming that was done voluntarily. It doesn't say here, but um, anyway, so that they, was... They might have been given the nod. <laughs> yeah, that might have been like, we suggest you do this, otherwise you're going to get you know huge fines and big yeah. trouble. Like a bit yeah. of a... Uh, wink yeah, exactly. Mm. Wink, wink. But this is, you know, it's critical. That, you know, that's one of the most critical things in flying, whether it's um, a smaller airplane or a, a jumbo jet. The uh, distribution of Bag weight is very, very important. And uh, and Steph, you know, you you probably have to deal. I mean, you have to deal with with this quite often um, in in your line of flying. Sure. Yeah. We um, you know, we have um, we actually have a spreadsheet that um, has an assumed weight for each passenger on the aircraft. And um, we do sometimes weigh people if we don't believe what they've told us. Well, hey. <laughs> um, we, you know, you get, you get their information, you're like, mm, yeah, sure. Yeah. All right, go stand uh, on I'm that. I'm only 150 that, pounds. Yeah. Go stand right. on that little yeah, silver square over there and uh, we'll figure this out. Um, but then we also have a very detailed spreadsheet uh, for how many loads of fuel we have on board and how many passengers we can take for each of those loads of fuel as well and how they how they need to sit in the aircraft. So we have all of that information. Like cross-legged or... Um, yes. Does that take into consideration the, 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 the suit, the parachute? That's it, that is full weight of the passenger, yes. Mm. Yeah, there's uh, quite a few no-nos here, aren't there, Jeff? It's a bit of a worry, really. Uh, for a start, uh, you can't calculate uh, a, a load sheet if you don't know the exact weight of everything that's on. So you can't have someone guessing that, oh, this is 20 kilos, this is 40 kilos, because it all goes into a, a balance sheet. And if the weight is wrong, the balance is wrong. Uh, number two, uh, you've got to do one for each sector. <laughs> what You can get away with a quick one if nothing has changed. Uh, for example, uh, we used to be allowed to do a, a quick one if we had done a medical diversion. And uh, I think the limit was less than five people had got off 
Uh, and we could do a, a quick one, abbreviated load sheet, because nothing else would have changed. Uh, perhaps we took on a bit of extra fuel, we, that would be taken into account, and then we'd go again. We didn't have to do a full load sheet. But this guy uh, apparently took on, at Rockhap, more freight, and there's no, there's no indication here that he did a new load sheet. And what's more, that's the sector he had all the problems. So I'm going... The, the captain is really, the pilot is yeah. really the guy who was responsible for ensuring the load was correct. He didn't do a load sheet and he had control problems. So I'm going, nope, there's no real mention of the captain's responsibility here and his culpability, mm-hmm. um, which is a little surprising. Uh, unless they, we haven't got all, we might not have all the exact details. Um, and the fact that he discussed it with ground maintenance engineers and then they they did the equivalent of, oh, let's take everything out, weigh it, and do a load sheet here. And then, of course, they found out that uh, it was up. up. Um, six kgs above max uh, takeoff weight is not a lot. No, it, I'm, I'm not terribly worried about that. Like, no, it's just uh, that that was the leg because that was um, out of Townsville. Mm-hmm. where everyone was guessing the weight. If, right. if you're putting weight onto an aircraft that's even close to max takeoff weight, you've got to know accurately exactly how much weight is. You can't guess that you're just under max takeoff weight. You don't, you don't mess about with that because that has structural problems uh, for the aircraft as well as um, uh, you know balance problems. So all in all, there are a few naughties here uh, yeah. which needed to have been stamped naughties. on the head. Well, so, so, got, on, on speaking of naughties, uh, Carlos, um, so <laughs> do you have to uh, do a, a, a weight-in trim sheet for the uh, TriStar van? Um, no, because I'm only ever on it on my own. Is any of me in the van? Oh, okay. So <laughs> just use but, standard uh, weights. He doesn't have to get on the, uh, the scale the before scales, he goes no, for a drive. No. <laughs> Actually, Neil Lamore makes a, a good point in the chat room about the uh, Dragon Rapide at Duxford. I, I've, I've tried that trip as well uh, myself and the, the, the air show that was on that day and uh, had to go on that. And they did weigh everyone who got on board that aircraft individually. And we were all sat in different positions on, on the aircraft as to uh, what our weights were. Mm-hmm. And it's a very oh, – because the Dragon Rapide, fat boy seats – and yeah, skinny people seats. I was at the tail end. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that means you're skinny. <laughs> and they didn't um, even see Steph because she hardly weighed. <laughs> they're like, who? <laughs> she weigh this person? No, the they say, Steph, you've got to have someone on your lap. You're so right, skinny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can you just hold this extra like twenty pound weight? Yeah, yeah that's exactly point right. A to point yeah. B. You, you should have seen Steph when she was in the skydive, sent indoor skydiving center. I was watching the wind speeds that were going around, like me and Armando, and that you know, these were above the 100-mile-an-hour mark. And then when Steph gets in, the, the guy you can see the guy physically turning the speed down to around about 80 miles per hour. Yeah, they were worried she was going to go flying out the top and out of the mall, shopping mall. I just don't need to be that high if I'm not flying with anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the mall's right down the street. You know, you could end up over there, I guess. Uh, well, they, right, we'll they could aim the tunnel minute. at your house and fly you home, couldn't they? <laughs> Just launch her, launch her about, you know, 40 miles to the south-southwest. Plus the fact Steph's a professional as well, so. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Oh, but speaking of ways, so you asked about, you know, everyone waited, uh, like if it's just them or with them with their gear for mm. jumping. So um, I think you were a little surprised by how much some of the skydiving gear weighs. Uh, yeah. Uh, you pack two parachutes in a little backpack and it's a lot of fabric in there. Steph's parachute weighs more than Steph. Yeah, probably does. <laughs> no, it's like three stories. Anyway. <laughs> how do we get onto that? We're talking about weights and balances and things and things that are. We'll, we'll weigh you later, Nick. We'll yeah. weigh you later. Yeah. We did yeah, have to get weighed for. We did have to get weighed for indoor skydiving too. That's. Oh. Yeah. Wow, you've been doing all kinds of fun stuff. I can't wait to we, hear the getting to know us. Yeah, segment. wait, 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 just a few minutes. We'll we'll talk yeah. about all that stuff. Okay. I should I should get those pictures queued up and ready yeah, to go. Yeah, you should. And uh, yeah, get boy. ready to share them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to move on to the next item, which is not um, uh, didn't have a happy ending at all. Uh, this was a helicopter uh, crash in, uh, pretty close to the New Orleans uh, area, uh, Lake Pontchartrain, uh, one of the spillways. Uh, the visibility was quite uh, low and the cloud, the ceiling height was uh, quite low. A helicopter was flying. And uh, I'm going to uh, hopefully I'll do this properly so we don't. Uh, see too much of this uh, but I, do, I want to play a little bit of the video here at the beginning just to show uh, the helicopter hitting this high tension wire and the rotor flying off and it coming down and crashed on the bridge so we'll see how i do here I'm a little crossed fingers here we go we're looking at the helicopter coming down and there we go i think i did a pretty not, good job of that great yeah there's a little bit more yeah. in the video there but uh, it's very it's very dramatic here. I'll, I'll play it again. You can kind of see the uh, yeah. uh, helicopter um, hitting the, the wire and then the rotor flying off. Here we go. And there we go. Yeah. Wow. yeah. That's not good. So uh, that was a wire holding the bridge up or? No, it was an um, electricity um, power, power line uh, in the in the area. Oh Lord! Um, let's so the, see. the visibility didn't look great in mm. that picture. No, or in that video, there was a um, a pilot that they in- interviewed. It said it was a, a fellow pilot. I'm not sure if the they knew each other or not, uh, but he said that um, he decided. He told the uh, news agency he decided not to go up that day because of the fog and the low clouds. Mm. He says when you start getting into these conditions, conditions, and you can't see, your mind plays tricks on you when you're in a plane or a helicopter. You start getting spatially disoriented and spatially disoriented, and so you really have to lean in and trust the instruments, which can be a hard thing to do when your brain is telling you something else. Yeah, we all know. We've talked about that many times on our show and the tendency to uh, kind of get spatially disoriented when uh, you are you have low visibility conditions. Funny you should mention lean in because the leans is mm-hmm. a common thing that pilots suffer from when they're learning instrument flying. Not leaning in, but leaning to one side as they mm-hmm. try and mm. um, yeah. right their heads, turn their heads and right their body to what they think is up. But of course, uh, they've their heads in now their internal balance organs are now giving them the wrong cues, and they're they're unconscious of doing it. But uh, watching your fellow pilot lean over because he's trying to get his head straight when you're flying in cloud is really quite straight amusing. level in the yeah, first place. It, it, can be yeah. a bit dangerous but oh, as well yeah. if you're suffering from the leans. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, in this case he just means, you know, not not leaning, he's talking kind of metaphorically like just 
bring yourself inside. Yeah, like focusing oh, yes. on. He, yeah. yeah, he's yeah he's talking about just concentrating on the instrument. Yeah. And uh, associated with this, um, we received some feedback from Rob Lagal. Lagal. And uh, he writes, uh, I don't know if uh, this is something you'd be willing to share, but I did get permission and I only see it stabilizing young lives after such a great loss. Uh, Recently, the helicopter crash on the freeway that many have come to see in the last few days has had numerous conversations on pilot forums. The brother of the pilot, Josh, uh, interacted on a few forums with people talking about the incident his brother was involved in. He leveled the armchair quarterbacking of the conversation quite quickly and brought what is really important back to the forefront family, especially this time of year. Uh, this GoFundMe campaign is going towards his family's stability and children's future. If this is something you'd be willing to share, it would be greatly appreciated. And then uh, Liz is showing the uh, post that uh, the brother posted on the Aviators Lounge, a, uh, an aviation forum. My brother Josh was a pilot of the Bell 407 that crashed on Interstate 10 near New Orleans earlier this week. The images and video of that crash and the aftermath have been shared widely. Aviation was a passion my brother and I shared. We talked often about the risk factors and how to mitigate them. He read dozens of NTSB reports to understand why good pilots with capable aircraft crash so that he could avoid the same. My brother was a safe and skilled pilot, and I just can't square the outcome. I don't think I'll ever get an answer that is satisfactory. I think the main thing you need to know about Josh is that he was a pilot. He loved everything about it, and he pursued with uh, pursued it with an admirable ferocity. And above all, Josh was just go- a good and decent man. Our family is devastated, and this will leave a big hole. His uh, He was father to three boys, aged seven, four, and three, and was the breadwinner of his family. If you feel so moved... I have set up a GoFundMe. I have been overwhelmed by the response, but every dollar will help. It will go directly to his wife, who can use it for the funeral and living expenses. And then there's a uh, also a, a link that will will have all this information in the, in the show notes if you feel so compelled to contribute to the uh, GoFundMe uh, campaign. But it's true that his brother makes a very good point. We talk about accidents all the time on our show, and and sometimes. You know, we we kind of lose sight sometimes of the uh, of the, the 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 impact that these terrible tragedies have on the people that know uh, the people who perished in these in these uh, accidents. Yeah, and yeah. he brings up a good point too. You know, um, it's not always a lot of these accidents are people who are safety minded and who are conscientious and do a good job in mm-hmm. their training and. Con- and continuing education and trying to learn and, and learn from mistakes of the past. And sometimes these things happen, you know, yep. you find yourself in a bad situation and unfortunately there's a bad outcome. So yeah, trying to take care of um, families and loved ones is, is important still. Yeah. Yeah. It must be doubly hard since that this has received so much publicity and mm. uh, following videos like this on uh, media sites, there are generally, um, room for people to leave comments and some of those comments can be completely out of order mm-hmm. and un, you know just appallingly cruel to uh, the family of uh, those who've just lost the breadwinner uh, and in this case you know a man who had his heart at the right place and was trying to do his best uh, so you know it makes it even worse so yeah that was a, a very well um, a great response from his uh, brother I thought yeah. 
So thanks, Rob Legal, for uh, kind of you know, sending in that feedback related to this uh, tragedy. All right, moving on to the next item from, let's see, the source here, aviationsafety.net uh, again. Uh, and another Swearingen Met- Metroliner. Um, mm, let's see. Swearingen Merlin. Merlin. Oh, I'm sorry, Merlin. Little My bad. Um, I know, it looks a lot like a Metroliner, but anyway. I think they're very similar. similar. Uh, Castle Aviation Flight uh, 921, a swear engine uh, Merlin 4, was destroyed when it was involved in an accident near Manchester Municipal Airport in New Hampshire, USA. The sole pilot on board was fatally injured. Preliminary information indicates the pilot reported an engine failure shortly before landing runway 6, and the aircraft crashed near a river in front of the runway, causing a fire. Uh, the weather at the time, uh, special um, METAR, calm winds, decent visibility, 10 statute miles, 1,700 broken, the ceiling, uh, minus 2 and minus 5 for the temperature and dew point. Um, and that is pretty much all we know about it, except that let me read a little bit more from this um, account from WMUR, a local uh news affiliate in the area. One person is dead after a small turboprop plane crashed along the banks of the Merrimack River in Bedford late Friday night. The swear engine was operated by Castle Aviation en route from Essex County Airport in Fairfield, New Jersey, when the pilot reported there was engine trouble, according to Manchester Boston Regional Airport Director Ted Kitchens. The plane crashed into an area along the banks of the Merrimack River just short of the airport runway shortly after 11.30 p.m., uh, video from the scene indicated the crashed plane had caught fire. Bedford police said no buildings were hit and when the plane went down near Reed Drive. Um, let's see, emergency crews from multiple jurisdictions responded. Uh, Kitchen said that the airport and all surrounding roads remained open the whole time. And he's thanking the uh, first responders for their quick and decisive action. And let's see, the uh, Bedford Police Department told News 9 the pilot, who was also the sole occupant of the plane, died in the crash. His name is uh, Emmanuel Vomvolakis, a 23-year-old from Michigan. Probably someone who was just getting started in his career and, you know, building up hours, probably hoping to fly for, like, the major airlines at some point. I'm, I'm, I'm just guessing, but... Um, this is the kind of job that a lot of new young pilots will uh, take to uh, build those hours and get that experience necessary, uh, which is sad. That uh, now I, I understand. I've never flown um, a uh, swear engine um, Merlin four November five four Golf Papa, you just especially. Swear at your engines. Yeah, I do swear at my engines, Liz, but not. Uh, yeah, I've never flown a swear engine. Uh, but, uh, I understand that they can be quite a handful, especially if you, uh, they're twin engine airplane. Uh, but if you lose one of your engines, I hear it's not the easiest thing in the world with that particular airplane to control. So, and I don't know, we don't know if it was just the one engine or maybe even a dual engine failure. So I guess they're still investigating. Uh, very little information really give us a, a, a gauge to exactly what went on, but as a general comment, um, one pilot operations in any uh, complex twin aircraft, uh, if it's fine, you could be the best pilot in the world as long as nothing goes wrong. But uh, when you're 
dealing with what looked like quite a severe emergency uh, in a busy part of the flight anyway, preparing to land, uh, you can easily become um, task-saturated. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying this was the case, but with two pilots, you've got one guy flying, one guy dealing with the emergency. With one pilot, your workload is now just doubled. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just feel sorry for him uh, to be put in that situation and that didn't yeah. come out well for him. It would have been a demanding situation. Single Absolutely. pilot, it's night, yeah. It's the weather's not super great. I mean, there was a relatively low ceiling, not super low, but you have a, an engine failure uh, yeah, your your hands are definitely full. Mm -hmm. yeah. Hopefully, we'll get more info. Yeah, and and sad because that river is right next to the airport. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're talking about. I've I've flown in and out of Manchester a number of times as a passenger. I'm pretty familiar. So yeah, very close. Very close. Yeah. Almost made it. Mm. Um, this news item, this next one, will be interesting. I think I think we're going to have an interesting discussion about this. Um, let's start <laughs> off with a um, couple of videos here. Um, all right, here we go. Let's start with the first one. This is at the uh, beginning of, or before a, a National Football League uh, game. And we see some helicopters uh, flying by the stadium in uh, downtown Nashville. Pretty impressive, I think. Uh, very, very cool. And then uh, let's see. Let's do the next one. Uh, let me get rid of this one first. Remove that and play this one. And I'm going to go ahead and sing along our national anthem. No, I'm just going to that. Um, so this is looking off into the distance at, uh, toward the beginning of our national anthem. And uh, soon you'll be able to see uh, the four helicopters uh, appearing from the distance in their formation. In fact, at some point, the helicopter noise gets uh, kind of drowns out the uh, PA system of the singers, at least to the vantage point of the person taking this video. Okay, so I hear, I hear, I hear the, the helicopter rotors coming into range. Getting closer. Looks like it's perfectly timed. Here they come. Right over the top of the field. Perfect timing. And then they kind of, there's a big gap in the stadium at that end of it as they exit. All right. So now we have seen the videos and let's uh, read some of the narrative here. The Federal Aviation Administration has been in contact with the U.S. Army's 101st Airborne Division about a flyover earlier this month at Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee. Four helicopters, two AH-64 Apaches, a CH-47 Chinook, and a UH-60 Blackhawk from a unit assigned to that division flew extremely low over the stadium at the start of a football game between the Tennessee Titans and the New Orleans Saints. Though there has been no formal review of the flyover so far, experts and observers have since raised safety concerns about the event. The investigative team at News Channel 5, a CBS-affiliated television in Nashville, 
uh, first reported on the FAA reaching out to the 101st Airborne Division, which is based at Fort Campbell in neighboring Kentucky yesterday. The flyover at Nissan Stadium took place on November 14th and was part of a salute to service for men and women of the U.S. Armed Forces that the Titans organization incorporated into that game that day. Uh, quote from uh, Army Lieutenant Colonel uh, Kerry McEwen uh, said the unit has uh, that conducted the flyover is in contact with the FAA Nashville. Uh, at this time, there's no scheduled review, although I think later in this story, there is a, an addition or a, an, an addendum that says that uh, looks like now the FAA has opened an investigation regarding this. Uh, some ha- uh, people who have uh, watched the video and also were actually there at the stadium have floated points of potential concern with the flyover, including the possibility of the helicopter for the helicopters to have struck some part of the stadium as they flew over. A video shot from the cockpit of one of the AH-64s seen earlier in this piece when the Tennessee Titans posted online shows that the helicopter was below the highest point in the stadium as it passed overhead. Some sort of mechanical failure at such low altitude was another concern. Um, Somebody else said it's possible that the downwash from the rotors could have kicked up objects and debris in the stadium, posing an issue for bystanders down below. Um, Somebody, uh, here's a quote from somebody, that flyover was a little too close to knocking down the flags and camera, one fan tweeted out afterward, I'm sure an aviation expert. Um, Sarcasm. Um, FAA uh, regulations require military flyovers to be accomplished at 1,000 feet above the highest obstacle, Larry Williams, the retired aviation safety inspector, told News Channel 5 Investigates. If civilian aircraft had been involved, most likely those pilots would have had their licenses suspended or revoked, he added. That being said, this is a recurring issue for the U.S. military and disciplinary action has been taken against pilots who have flown fixed-wing aircraft low over sporting events in violation of those regulations in the past. However, an official guide to low-flying aircraft available on FAA's website says that helicopter operations may be conducted below the minimum altitude set for fixed-wing aircraft. The reason... They have unique operating characteristics, the most important of which is their ability ability to execute pinpoint emergency landings during power out emergencies. It also says um, includes the caveat that helicopters may be operated at less than the minimums prescribed in this section of the uh, the operation is conducted without if the operation is conducted without hazard to persons or property on the surface. It isn't clear if any army regulations applied in this case, in addition to the FAA's directives for rotary wing flyovers or if any waivers have been secured in advance anyway so the update as i mentioned says that um, the uh, faa uh, has well well, the faa said we did not comment on pending investigation so it sounds like there is a pending investigation regarding this this flyover so i i'll just start off by saying i i looked at it i thought it was pretty cool i didn't see a problem with it but again i'm not the person that's going to make the judgment whether or not there was a violation or, or not, but, uh, I'd like to hear what everybody else thinks. I mean, if you just read by the regulations, you go to the FAR, it's 91-119 for anyone who wants to go back and look it up. Um, and for, for general aviation aircraft, VFR, um, what it says is for over congested areas, uh, including cities, towns, settlements, or any open air assembly of persons, which this would be an open air assembly of persons, an altitude of 1,000 feet above the highest obstacle within a horizontal radius of 2,000 feet of the aircraft is what you need to maintain. 
But then there is a subsection, as I mentioned in the article, that for helicopters, um, helicopters may be operated at less than the minimums prescribed, um, provided that the person operating complies with any routes or altitudes specifically prescribed for helicopters by the FAA. So I, I think if, you missed out one of those regulations. Uh, yeah. Steph, the one that says if you're wearing a cowboy hat, then it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wait, where's my cowboy hat? <laughs> I'm going to get my cowboy hat and wear that for the rest of this show. Exactly right. Exactly right. But I, I agree with Jeff. I mean, I don't think that anything, I mean, was it low? Was it dramatic? A little yeah, bit, it, was, it was intended to be. It was cool. Be. It was supposed to be. It was a salute <laughs> to service. And, and you know, I, I think if they had planned it this way in advance and done and that's that it doesn't look like they were trying to figure out what to do at the last minute. That's how they intended to do the flyover. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't really have a problem with it. Uh, yeah, I think it's much ado about nothing. About nothing. I mean, yeah. I would have been super excited to be standing there where that guy was oh, yeah. filming that and be like, yeah. Yeah. So, Carlos, do you ever see uh, like low flying helicopters uh, near where you work? We we are very lucky, Jeff, because <laughs> where where we're based is on an old, old Royal Air Force base, B seventeen base. So we, oh. we've still got part of the main runway um, still there, and the uh, the guys at RAF Watersham, which is an Apache A H sixty four base, not far, use us as uh, a, a kind of. Uh, target and uh landing practice ground but they do they come over uh, i mean they come over at, at minimal maximum of probably 400 feet mostly below that and you know they come over low but we're not in a hugely residential area so it's not a big um, issue plus they're under control from uh Watersham there because it's uncontrolled uh, space where mm-hmm. we are um but they come over low really low you can you can see the guys sitting um in the seats and wait they wave quite frequently but um yeah, I, I don't complain about it. I would argue that that uh, the pilots of these military helicopters are probably some of the best helicopter pilots in the world. You know that uh, I yeah, don't have sure. any well doubt that yeah. you know they knew what they were doing. You know, it's all coordinated. Everything is coordinated. Yeah. This wasn't this wasn't yeah. well, not in a helicopter is not, mate. Have you tried well. <laughs> rubbing your tummy and patting your head at the same time? Oh, I forgot. Helicopters uh, and uh, balloons. We don't bring that uh, up when yeah. Nick's here with us. Darn it. Yeah, now you you guys can see I've got my sensible hat on, so I'm just gonna, <laughs> you know, use the qualities bestowed upon me by a sensible hat, uh, and just say that. <laughs> <laughs> You're Very such a nice. princess. Princess. Um, <laughs> That's the only thing I had that, resembling a hat nearby. <laughs> exactly. The difference feet. between uh, a safe uh, and an unsafe uh, fly past uh, can be very small. Uh, and your uh, fly past doesn't have to be on that margin to look great and to be impressive. And to be fantastic. You know, I think um, if, if they had been 500 feet higher, everyone would still have been suitably no, impressed. I'm not taking 500 feet high. I'm talking 50 feet higher. Still suitably impressed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would still have been look great. But I, and mm-hmm. I think that very little comment would ever have been made about it. So that right. 50 feet or perhaps 100 feet is probably all that separates them from going back and carrying on their day's work without a worry, uh, care in the world, and now facing an investigation. Yeah. Well, you know what I have to say about that? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Steph. Um, Oh, God. I got to leave. you? Did you have the, uh, what is it called? The the, the something duck tacos? The white? uh, (laughs) white, Oh, we did not have any white duck tacos, actually. 
I, th- I, I just figured that uh, maybe that's why Carlos was having some digestive issues. It, it's, it's the extra onions I put in last night's <laughs> meal. The, yeah, I did let Carlos cook last night. Really good job. Oh, really? Excellent. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, can't wait to hear about that as well. All right. Uh, <laughs> con- continuing on. Um, <laughs> this is uh, just as groundbreaking news Get here. Ready for your oh, going oh green. wait. Thank you. Yeah, you didn't warn me soon enough. Here we go. Here we go. We're going green. We're going green. We're well, going green. United is. Uh, United Airlines completes the first passenger flight using 100% SAF in one tank. This is from Flying Magazine. It says so right here. Um, United Airlines made history this week when the carrier flew a jet with more than 100 passengers <gasps> using 100% sustainable aviation fuel in one tank. Oh, that was me thinking it stood for seriously out of fuel. Yeah, well, uh, that's out, 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 out of fuel. Seriously, out of fuel. Like, out of boy. Um, the flight between Chicago's O'Hare International Airport and Washington's Reagan National Airport on Tuesday is the first commercial passenger carrying flight using this renewable fuel. United CEO Scott Kirby was on board the flight. In a statement, he noted that the flight was not only a significant milestone for efforts to decarbonize our industry, but when combined with the surge in commitments to produce and purchase alternative fuels, we're demonstrating the scalable and impactful way companies can join together and play a role in addressing the biggest challenge of our lifetimes. Well, you just think, I think he just came up with that right off the top of his head. Yeah, that wasn't wasn't written down. No. And he, it he wasn't, also, it wasn't scripted for him. No, it was not scripted. And, uh-huh. and also he added, uh, and it smelled like French fries <laughs> um, or chicken nuggets or chicken nuggets. Yeah. Currently yes. airlines are yes. only permitted to use ma- a maximum of 50% SAF. The, uh, uh, demonstration flight of the United 737 MAX 8. Oh, they even did it in a MAX. Wow, that's dangerous. Carried 500 gallons of drop-in <laughs> SAF in the right tank and 500 gallons of conventional fuel in the other. What, what do they mean by drop-in? Hmm. Uh, in order to prove that, in order to prove, there are no operational differences between SAF and conventional jet fuel. Anyway, so there's your story. They made it. They didn't crash. And looks like the fuel works. That's a good thing. Good for them. Yeah, I was just, I was trying to remember exactly what sustainable aviation fuel is. Can anyone um, enlighten me? I've pulled up something I found. It's sustainable and used in Uh aviation. (laughs) Okay, great. Thanks. Um, No, I Googled it real quick because I wasn't quite sure what the topic is. It has to have a proportion of real fuel and then. It says stuff produced from sustainable feedstocks and similar in chemistry to traditional uh, fossil jet fuel. So that doesn't help me. Yeah, Can cooking cooking oil. Hey, hey uh, Carlos, get, yeah. make her drink a whole bunch of beer, and then cooking we're going to have her read this um, non this technical oils. paper about SAF. SAF. This is starting now. to sound a little familiar to me. Uh, <laughs> Take note of this uh, show number. I mean, I, I just, you know, so basically what it comes from, like, cooking oil. Right. right? Yeah, That's why it I think so. Like okay. French fries. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's why it smells like French fries. Mm-hmm. And yeah. chicken nuggets. Okay. Yeah. Well, Do they have eth- ethanol here. in it? Does that go in it? I don't know. 
Ethic, mm. ethic no. I didn't see that in the article. Did you see ethanol okay. in there? I don't know. Well, this is fascinating, actually, but let's move on. No, let's yeah. move on. Yeah. yeah. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And this is our final, thank goodness, uh, news item in yeah, today's show. In <sighs> our favorite. This was sent this in would have been by... The, this would have been the second news item if we Mr. were actually on PTUK. And, <laughs> and, and, and word, this should be... This was sent, sent in from Mr. Niels and Andrewson or something like that. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let me play this uh, video. Anders here. Nielsen. Anders Nielsen. Son? Yeah. Okay. And here Nielsen we go. Too. Oh, look at this. We're, we're seeing a Ryanair at 737. Oh, what's, what's going on here? They're doing fireworks underneath the uh, fuselage. <laughs> of the, uh, of the, uh, quite a nice show. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that Lamborghini that's taking the video can hardly keep up with it. <laughs> <laughs> they, I guess they didn't notice at all. They were just like taxiing like normal. And, yep. um, yeah. So for uh, not watching the video here, uh, a Ryanair Boeing seven thirty seven sustained damage to its right engine after it began to taxi prematurely. How embarrassing! Yes. With its tow bar still attached after <laughs> that pushback. Can Yes, it happens. Uh, the Boeing. Let's don't talk about it. The Boeing seven thirty seven eight hundred with registration nine hotel Quebec Alpha Hotel was scheduled to depart as flight twenty nine oh seven from Frankfurt to Puerto del Rosario Airport on seventeenth yeah. of December. The tow bar remained attached below the engine. It's not normally attached below the engine. <laughs> okay, That's not where you attach your tow bar it until the pilot stops taxiing. Attached. Yeah, it, it was probably originally attached to the nose wheel and then somehow got attached to the right engine, which is definitely yeah. not in the manual. Well, I wouldn't I'm, say it was attached. I would say it was lodged. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to guess that the towing team um, disconnected it, pulled it to one side, said goodbye to him, unplugged his headset, uh, but hadn't dragged it far enough to clear the engine. So when he started taxiing forwards, he ran over it. And uh, yeah, it, it so this is this is Ryanair, so seven thirty-seven, yeah. which has quite a low um, yeah, just engine to show how there. low those engines mm -hmm. are. And uh, of course, uh, they they like to be on time, Ryanair. They don't. I don't think they still play a fanfare when they land on time. But quick well. turnaround. Hey they Joe. A, hey Joe. What did fanfare? you do with the tow bar? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had it. <laughs> What? Yeah, I put it right over there underneath the airplane. I think <laughs> it was probably... Attached it to the engine. <laughs> why, is that, why is that airplane sparking all up over there? What, what's going on? Considering how Joe, far Joe, let's got... go to the bar quick. <laughs> Honestly, how far they got with that. If you were a passenger on that overwing exit seat or just about the front of the wing, you'd be going, hey! You'd be, you'd be pressing... Ding, 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 ding. Or I could just hear the guys in the cockpit going... Hey, you know, this is really a rough taxiway, isn't it? Yeah, it's making a lot of noise. <laughs> Frankfurt's taxiways suck. Yeah, this is terrible. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. that was that was quite something, was something. actually. Yeah, I don't know why, I know. but it was something. It was something. Uh, it's going to be sure, expensive yeah. to uh, get rid of that as yeah. well. A bit of speed it'll tape. You know. buff out. Yeah, it'll buff Probably. Out. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. no good. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well. That is enough news, I think, that any of us can stomach. And uh, let's go here and play this uh, little jingle. Yes, it's getting to know us. I've known you guys for years. I don't understand why we still I do. don't want to know any more about you, Nick. I've heard All right, well, let's skip this section then and go right into feedback. <laughs> Hooray! 
Incoming message. No, we're not going to do that. This is my favorite part of the show. We, we don't wanna... know <sighs> much about Carlos, though. I mean, yeah, we know a little yeah, bit. Well, so, first of all, what the heck How did he is get here? Carlos doing sitting next to you in uh, Tiga K, <laughs> South Carolina? I don't really know. So cast your minds back to four months ago when I had a message from a young man called Stephen Ivey who said, Carlos, would you like to come and DJ at my wedding? And I was like, I'd love to, Stephen, but you live in the US of A. And I'm in the UK. He said, no worries. We'll get you out here. So after many months of paperwork, tests, more tests, more paperwork, I eventually got here. And uh, had a fantastic day on Saturday at Stephen and Marcy's wedding. It was a really nice day. Fantastic day. And I was there with Captain Jeff. I know it was it was and, a lot of fun. Uh, we had a, a we had quite fun. a few moments actually. Uh, we have any we pictures did. of that uh, Liz? Yeah, we do. All the pictures. Oh, look. Oh, nice oh, jacket. Nice jacket, uh, Jeff. Well, thank you. Um yeah, we, we was brand it, new. Very very smart. It was uh it, we were having uh, several romantic <laughs> moments. Uh, Interludes. In, yeah, interesting. I think Carlos is proposing there, actually. I'm not sure what's happening. No, it really caught me off guard. I'd be quite a guard. surprise to Gemma. Yeah, and I'm, uh, having had, had the proposal accepted, that last picture, I'm just wondering what's going to happen next. I actually think Jeff is like trying to tell Carlos how confused he is in that I'm moment. You see his face. He's like, yeah. he's like thank you, but like you're married and I can't accept. It's okay. Well, you know, the, the bottom left um photo there um at first i thought it was carlos's hand on my bottom but um, <laughs> not really, i can't really say much we, else here we had one. a we had a really good night me yes, and jeff had a, had a fantastic night and uh, honestly it was it was a lovely a lovely service a lovely reception mm-hmm. the venue was really nice and it, it honestly made made it's made my my time in the U.S. really great um, having that experience being with, uh, with not with Jeff, but with, just with Jeff, with Stephen and Marcy at their wedding. Really nice to celebrate with them, a lovely couple as well. Yeah. And then uh, after the wedding, I went back to the hotel, had a short night's sleep because I was up early the next day to head down to Atlanta Airport. Jeff very kindly took me down to Atlanta Airport in his uh, luxurious uh, car. <laughs> and <Just> uh, Honda. <laughs> And, a luxurious uh, Honda. A luxurious uh, Honda, for sure. I, I ne- negotiated yeah. uh, the uh, security at uh, Atlanta Airport, which I have to say was a lot quicker than it was at Heathrow. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, managed to get uh, to Charlotte uh, Airport, where Steph very kindly picked me up. And that's where I've been for a, a couple of days now. And, and I can't uh, get him to leave. I'm not yeah, sure I'm not going anywhere. how to uh, Steph, Steph escape has, from um, this. If someone could help, that would be never going to happen. He's there for good Steph now. Is, Steph has been, been getting me to do the, these activities. Since Actually, I've I'm not here. sure if Carlos will ever come back. Uh, I know. Every activity that Steph has got me to do uh, so far since I've been here has meant I've had to sign a waiver. <laughs> Um, He's not kidding, and I'm not including kidding. coming into her home. Yeah, I mean, he just signed this waiver, um, basically not- <laughs> releasing all of your uh, rights and liabilities. I'm definitely taking taking off the uh, bucket list here. The first off was uh, I done an indoor skydive, which um, uh, was uh, rather rather interesting. I will say, um, Steph has let's actually got can, a video. Is, can you see my screen? We, is that I, you have to, uh, yeah, you have to. Uh, uh, hit the uh, hover your I mouse did. over it. No, you had it. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I've never. It, I've actually not put it back. Yep. Okay. okay. And then hover your mouse over it, and it says yeah. "Add to Stream." Uh, it does not. Okay. Here, I'll do that. 
There we go. I see. There it. we go. Okay. <laughs> uh, actually, so that's that's Megan finishing that's Megan, there. Yeah, just finishing, and uh, honestly, for anyone who's who got the job of putting their this. hand in Megan's crack, <laughs> I'm just <laughs> curious. Yeah. That's Caleb, actually. Here we go. I think. There oh, he is. That Caleb. Hmm. Got to watch out for that guy. He's strong, isn't he? He can lift a bloke up with one arm. <laughs> is that you, Carlos? That's Carlos that in me. the blue. Yeah, that's me in the blue. Nice. Uh-huh. Um, you can actually see in the background, like I'm sitting on the bench and Armando is sitting next to me. Uh, so we took our turns as well. But I'm just cute the one here with Carlos. For anyone who's not trying, honestly, you need to try this, guys, because this is He's one doing really well. Yeah, I, I was going to say, it looks like you're doing really well. Yeah. And uh, this is the bit that kind of, takes you by surprise because they swap the guys swap round and then uh, you you head up to the lofty heights of um Whee! the wind tunnel Whoa. Lo- yep. logan's right, run so if, you're, if you're if you're not if you're just listening to this you really should watch the video of this or just watch a video of what happens at iFly or an indoor uh how, how many times so- round before you vomit yeah. and where does the vomit go um, right at the top good question <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that was uh, that was a really great experience, and big thanks to uh, Dr. Steph for arranging that for me as a uh, as a treat. That was very good, very good indeed. Excellent. Oh, look how look how good and stable Carlos is there. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, That's a problem. He did really well. Yeah. Why has he yeah. got his eyes closed? I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> they kept and trying and to get him to open came. his fingers. Uh, the yeah, the, the police arrived and, yeah, the and police basically arrived, escorted yeah. him off the premises. Here, no, it's just the lights <laughs> to tell you that the time is up. <laughs> <laughs> So that, that was uh, that was an experience and a half. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Definitely going to try that again. I think we have it in the UK. And then uh, yesterday, Steph uh, decided again to make oh, to force me to do an activity I haven't done before, which meant signing yet another waiver. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I've never I've never skated. I've never skated. I've never skateboarded. I've never done sky you know, um, um, w- uh, water skiing or anything that, that involves me putting things on my feet and going on slippery surfaces so steph decided um to to force me to do some ice skating yesterday um which um it went i mean it went reasonably well although i must admit i did look like i think people thought that i'd um um had an issue on the ice yes the way i was moving well, I understand that there was somebody. There was somebody there that uh, was was watching you and uh, is basically recommending that the two of you enter the uh, ice dancing competition in the uh, upcoming. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we have a good chance of winning at least a placing, like a bronze or yeah. something. Yeah. Right. Oh, is there something um, that I'm supposed to be doing, stuff? Yes, There's... I'm sharing my video, but I need you to oh, click on the. There, there you go. go. There somebody, go. somebody did that. I didn't. Yeah, I did. Okay. Thanks, Liz. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to, you know, uh, Steph didn't um, attend the rehearsal, <laughs> so uh, we'll have sorry, to show her how yeah, to do well, that. <laughs> he, had these, he had these random like right and left turning tendencies that were kind of uncommanded, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it worked out okay. It was actually a good day for ice skating yesterday because it was kind of cool. So the ice was ice and not slush here in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's getting overtaken by all kinds of kids here. Who are <laughs> yeah, there, there, there was literally four and five-year-old kids going past me like they were tall Valentine. <laughs> ah, and we didn't um, see Carlos <laughs> for quite some time after that last <laughs> yeah. frame. So uh, that that was an experience. Uh, thanks again to Steph for oh. sorting that out. <laughs> that was uh, 
And then that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't do and that. And today. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you have a producer. <laughs> somebody is somebody is like it keeps putting me out of the uh, video I did here. Not. I didn't do that. I didn't Putin say you out. did it, Liz. <laughs> uh oh, so this video got all. Uh... No, I was just trying to say it was Liz. <laughs> oh yeah. No. <laughs> yes, thanks, Neil. Bambi on ice. That, I don't know. Bambi who on it, ice. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, that looked. And like then today fun. we we tried Top Golf, which was uh, another awesome experience as well. Um, we're sort of hitting a ball as hard as you can. <laughs> it's a good way to take out your aggression yeah, uh, yeah. on whatever life. And obviously uh, we, we met up with uh, Armando, Megan right and now. Maddie as well, which was great mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a good good time and yeah. good food there for lunch and uh, yeah. a couple beverages. And yeah, we've, we've had a good couple of it's days. It's been here. a really good couple of days. And plus the fact I've gotten to see uh, Steph's new Jeep, which is amazing. I told you, it Carlos. Is. Yeah. The pink Jeep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's been for around the pink Jeep. Very cool. Yeah. So thanks to Steph, I should My say, um, for uh, for our hospitality. It's been a fantastic uh, few days. And um, I'm off this evening, off to spend the last couple of days of my trip here with Armando and Megan. And I'm going to do a bit of flying tomorrow, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. I'm very jealous. Excellent. Very jealous of your flying. Sorry. And then, uh, and then fit, to the... hopefully fly home Christmas Eve. Yes. If we well, can procure some sort of <laughs> yeah. COVID test. I've got to take another 4,000 PCR tests. Done, and, um, if the UK will take Otherwise, you back, he's just going right? to be living at my house. <sighs> Please, somebody help me. Well, uh, I've already had a word with Adam, who's been oh, in touch with uh, the, the authorities. authorities at Heathrow. Mm. And uh, I think you're going to need to uh, get yourself a new visa uh, to come to the UK, Carlos. <laughs> That's okay, Nick. I'll come stay with you. No, you'll need a new visa to come to the UK. <laughs> That's where I am. <laughs> oh, so anything but else? It's been new? a great trip. It's been a great trip. I've enjoyed it. Good yeah. man. Yeah. And he did, he cooked um, shepherd's pie last night, which was mm. fantastic. It was very good. Got some leftovers, so I'm going to be enjoying those for the got next some, couple uh, days. Got some good lamb? Mm, we used venison. Oh, okay. Oh, right, yeah. I had it in another, my, my freezer. Another so. deer missing. I was going to say, I have an idea where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> As Carlos will attest, there are no deer around here at no, all. No, none at all. Not no anymore. Yeah, no, uh, not after all the uh, shepherd's pies that have been made recently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Locally wow. sourced. Yeah. Farm to table. Excellent. Right. foot diet. Let's go uh, with uh, Captain Nick. How have you been, sir? Well, nothing. Uh, I've been fine, thank you very much. Nothing has happened since the last show, um, except I've done the plane tail for. Uh, and thanks very much indeed for Main Man Micah. It was his idea um, to uh, give me. Well, he gave me the subject for this one, so thank you, Micah. Uh, he's got great ideas for tales, uh, and um, actually, he mentioned one that will be coming up, I think, shortly on. PTUK, I thought it was a fantastic subject. Mike is doing that himself, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, but uh, no, nothing's happened here. Um, looks like I'm going to be able to get away for our Christmas treat uh, with my lady wife because uh, we've managed to steer clear of uh, any infections. So looking forward to that over Christmas, really, and that's about it. Excellent. That's good news. I'm, I'm happy that Absolutely. you guys are able to get out of town. Oh, delighted. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about the cover art from the last show. 
And, uh, <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> so, so good. you know, we talked about the fact that Liz has this file cabinet full of files of uh, all kinds of dirt, dirt on the crew, uh, just in case you know something goes a little wonky in the future, and, and she leverage. needs to, she has to have leverage on us, and so yeah, uh, it's a pension fund. <laughs> and of course, she had the uh, who took that picture again of. David Abbey, that's right. Well, it's right. one of her agents. It was Agent Abbey. <laughs> Agent Abbey. Agent Abbey. <laughs> was, was taking this one of uh, him in the jean uh, section of a department store with the big uh, numbers 501, which, of course, that was our episode number Very last week. Up. And I have no idea how you'd find that picture again after the years since yeah. it was location, taken. Location services yeah, on your it's iPhone. it's got to be like five years ago. She is a very you don't, you don't use location services on your iPhone to find photos? That's the only way I can Yeah, find I never photos. know where I've been. Oh, see, I don't know when I was. I know where I was. I don't know either of those two things. Uh, yeah, likewise, Jeff. Uh, I don't even know who you are. The airline pilot's <laughs> nightmare. Anyway, very clever uh, file names there, Nick. Uh, Jeff's false false mustache a whole file full of pictures of that apparently steph's marathon oh, taxi ride <laughs> very rosy <laughs> wreath yeah. rick's airbus yeah. uniform huh. uh, wow uh, that's uh, some dirt uh, uh-huh. uh hillel's body double uh liz's <laughs> fake his... passports i guess that's for uh, to make her get away i thought when yeah, she uh, does her extortion really. and blackmailing what's, what's nick's there yeah. 50 uh, i don't know nick's nick's 501 501 Spy oh. cam locations there. Uh, Fred, Fred, Fred Samson's doppelganger. doppelganger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's Fred in each one of the. Well, maybe not. Maybe uh, not. Yeah, I, I don't know. He, wow. You see, he, he, when he's being a, an agent, he wears all black like he was at mm. uh, the 500th. But I've seen him in other clothes, so I reckon that must be the doppelganger. Ah, uh, mm. gotcha. Now mm. we're, we're, we're on to you, man, Fred. Great stuff. Oh, yeah. We have been for a while. Yeah, that was a great uh, great piece of cover art, uh, Nick. Nice, nice job. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. All right. And uh, Rick, what's been up with the – oh, never mind. He's Always. not here with us. He's uh, he's out there flying again. And uh, we're, we're sorry that you uh, couldn't join us, Rick, but uh, we hope that you're having Pressure's a on. good time like flying those right packages. Now. Yep. Uh, he's doing a lot of flying for the big guy. Uh, in this case, the guy that lives in the North Pole. So, mm-hmm. anyway, the guy that looks like Captain Nick. The guy that looks like Captain Nick. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I um, think his beard's a bit bigger. Yeah. Well, mm. we didn't want to really tell you talk about that, Nick, because we thought it embarrassed <laughs> you a bit. But anyway, well, I guess now it's time for us to uh, do the coffee fun, unless uh, you guys have something else to no. talk mm-hmm. about or coffee say. Coffee fun sounds good. All right, Nick's let's do it. Sign. Carlos, you can sing with me. Of course, it'll be all out of out of sequence and latency. Johnny, how much more coffee? But we'll give it's it a okay. shot anyway. I love coffee. coffee. I love tea. I love tea. Oh my gosh, dude, I can't even do it. Coffee and tea. But it sounds good. And he has a wonderful voice. He really does. Carlos can sing really well. Yes, he can. Anyway, uh, the Coffee Fund is our way of uh, telling you about our wonderful Coffee Fund cadre, Coffee Bar Club members um, using the uh, uh, Coffee Fund, aptly named. And that is for buying just tons and tons uh, or volumes and gallons of coffee and beer and 
uh, equipment costs and all the other costs of doing the, uh, the show uh, each and every week and also uh, our meetups that we have on occasion. And uh, let's see, since the last episode, uh, we've had uh, three of our recurring uh, contributors via the Coffee Fun Classic method, Jenny in Rome, Chris Randall, and David Lieb. And uh, again, a uh, couple of different ways to uh, do the coffee fund. Uh, the one is the coffee fund classic and the other is via Patreon. No, no new patrons this week on Patreon, but uh, that's another way to support the show financially if you feel so inclined. And if you do, uh, we direct you to our website, airlinepilotguide.com slash coffee. Thank you, Nick, for your wonderful facial expression. Anyway. Um, check it out, airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee. You'll be glad you did. We will too. And now, let's get some feedback. Captain, incoming message. This is from Kevin. And he has a uh, B717 climb rate question. Dear crew, currently riding from on board an Acme Boeing 717, November 954 Alpha Tango, en route from Houston to Atlanta. I must note that Captain Jeff is not flying because he has apparently some important live show in Atlanta. Whatever. I <laughs> guess he doesn't really seem too concerned. Anyways, uh, it's been some time since I've flown on a B717 and noticed that the initial climb out rate seems less than comparable airliners, normal flights from <laughs> flights, normal flights from Fayetteville to Houston and Houston back to Fayetteville, not quite full and low airport elevations. I seem to remember Mad Dogs climbing much more steeply. Am I just imagining this? How does the real world climb rate for the B seven one seven compare to the Mad Dog family and the common CRJs? Thank you so much for the great show. Smooth landings and IPAs ever around. If you're ever in the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, I have a great brewery to show you. And oh, thank you, Kevin. He uh, actually made <laughs> a, a very important a pronunciation <laughs> guide for me. Kevin Williams. <laughs> thank you, Kevin Williams. Yeah. I would have said Williams, but uh, not Williams. But okay. We'll, we'll go with your pronunciation. Well, I'm definitely not going to get a Fayetteville if he's going to show us the brewery. I want to get in there and drink something. Absolutely, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, we still fly in there, um, Kevin. Um, so I'll I'll, uh, I'll ring you up. Um, so here's the deal. Uh, initially, the initial climb attitude on both the 717 and the Mad Dogs are identical. Um, they, they, we are supposed to limit it to 20 degrees nose high on, on our initial takeoff. Um, and then, you know, of course, passing through usually 1,000 feet, we lower the nose and accelerate and retract and clean up the airplane, retract the flaps and all that stuff. Um, the difference is that on the Boeing 717, the uh, FADEC controlled engines on this airplane, which are uh, Rolls-Royce BMW um, engines, they have a couple of D-rated climb uh, settings that we did not have on the Mad Dog. And so that was just one, there was just one climb setting for the Mad Dog. So when we went, we lowered the nose and accelerated, we just went to climb power and that was it, just stayed at climb power the whole time. 
So we have climb power and we have climb one and climb two on the Boeing 717. And climb one is a derated version of the normal climb power. And then climb two is even a more derated um, power setting. And it's based on our weight. So if we are below a certain weight, um, in, in our case, below 100,000 pounds um, takeoff weight, we will select climb two and then uh, we'll watch our climb rate. And if it gets down to a thousand feet per minute or less, then we bump it up to the next rate. And then finally, usually above 18,000 feet or so, we'll go to just the regular climb power. Uh, but, uh, and of course, if we're heavier than, you know, we may have to actually start out in the, the highest climb setting for the uh, engines. And I think that's the reason why it seems that, and, and I, I feel the same thing. It's like, man, we're still climbing. You know, we're not at cruise altitude yet because it, it just saves wear and tear on the engines and saves fuel. And uh, that's what they want us to do, our SOP on the airplane. So it's not just your imagination. Yeah, it, they do climb out um, much more slowly than the uh, the Mad Dogs did. Are you playing the video now? So oh, interestingly gonna, oh, enough. I, I forgot. I'm sorry. Well, kept, uh, <laughs> Steph, you can go ahead and talk and I'm going to go ahead and play the video oh. while you're talking because we're going to watch oh, a, gonna uh, video? a I, I was sharing a picture for you there. Oh, okay, then go ahead and um, put, oh. real, real briefly. Oh, okay. Let me um, uh, my it. My new pink Jeep has all these um, oh, look at data that. points. Is it 20 so, degrees nose high? No? It's 17 degrees nose down. Yeah, okay. Um, but that's not in the sky. That's just on my driveway. <laughs> yeah, I can vouch for your driveway. It's only yeah. 17 so degrees nose so we, we measured it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, it's, and it's not even level laterally. No, it's not. Nothing's level around here. So 17 degrees down and three degrees right looks like a little bit. Yeah. Oh, very neat. Mm -hmm. Hey, we have some video yeah, um, to show you of uh, Steph uh, taking off in her driveway. Here we go. <laughs> it's not right. pink. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Well, you just have to use your imagination. That That is actually a pink Jeep that we see rolling down the driveway. Rolling up the very driveway, similar. maybe. Very similar. Very similar. Uh, yeah. Steph's Jeep. Seems to yeah. be missing its winglets. Uh oh, what happened to... Yeah. Oh, it looks like the all the wheels are gone. The gear... The landing gear... Oh, wait a minute. Now I see them. They're coming back into view. And here we go. This is a Buffalo. Airtran. I don't see Buffaloes. Here we go. And that's... Approaching about 20 degrees nose high. Not quite yet. A little bit higher, a little bit higher. That's what she said. All right, 20 degrees nose high or so. And then uh, and then at a certain point, the, the nose will lower. Of course, we're not going to see that because they stopped the video. Oh, well. There we go. I meant to be playing that while I was explaining all of that uh, climb power stuff. Yeah, I was getting around to it, Liz, but then I, of course, forgot completely. Oh, well. Thank you for re for reminding me. Um, anything else to be said about climb settings? Did you have that in your uh, three forty six hundred uh, the different climb power settings, or it was just one setting, and then you just let it let the FADEX system just do its thing? A click. That was it. Yeah. Just click. One just setting. Click. All right. Yep. Click. 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 Well, kind of I mean, uh, we, we could make things more complicated by having a D-rate, mm -hmm. um, but uh, nah, generally speaking, just back to climb. Yeah. Okay. Very good. 
Uh, who let the dogs out? Yeah, I'm going to just go make sure they're not like, I don't know. Eating yeah. a deer. Yeah, basically. <laughs> or that Armando and Megan aren't waiting to get oh, in Oh, maybe house, that's what's going on. Although I would yeah. assume they would let me know they were Steph, here, I have a question for you. Though. Earlier you, you said something about the deer in the, in the freezer. Did you kill the deer before you put it in the freezer? <laughs> hmm. you, know, it, you know, it's a little tricky to prepare <laughs> if you don't. Probably take care of things pretty, in order. Probably pretty tricky to get into the freezer if it's not. My freezer is yeah. not that large, yeah. Jeff. It's really not. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're going to carry on. I'll be. I will be right back. We'll carry on. Back. In charge of this. All right. Next one. This is from Captain Peter. Cathay uh, plans to hire hundreds of pilots as morale fl- falls flies. Morale falls. This is from Bloomberg. Actually, we're gonna. We're not going to read that yet. Uh, we're going to. Read the note from Captain Peter. It says, uh, hello, Captain Jeff and crew. First, let me congratulate you and the crew reaching the 500th episode. Kudos to all. It's been a while since my last submission. Uh, I was always told in my youth, if you have nothing good to say, it's best to say nothing. Yeah, I think we always say that our moms told us that, right? Um, Absolutely. I'm sure after reading the attached article, you'll understand why there has been a dearth of good news in this part of the world. I know Captain Nigel has kept you up to date with the situation in Hong Kong. However, I may add something to the conversation. After over 170,000 COVID PCR tests, three pilots tested positive for COVID. (laughs) Wow. That's not a very high rate. Um, In a normal world, this would merely have been unfortunate for those individuals with a few weeks off to recover, then back to the line. But this is not a normal world. Uh, They were terminated after being found to have left their rooms in Frankfurt during their layover, which, after almost two years of lockdown, is understandable. Over 100 pilots and flight attendants were then quarantined for 21 days in government containers, converted to living quarters as contacts of them or the aircraft they flew in the preceding 21 days. One of the pilot's wives was a teacher, so over 120 9, 10-year-olds were sent to quarantine as well, as well as the wives and children of the contacts. The official policy is zero COVID, and this will not change no matter what occurs in the rest of the world. So, on to the good news. It's bittersweet, actually. After 41 years of airline flying, 34 with my present mob. Did he mean to say mob or job? (laughs) Mob is probably ex-Airforce. Okay. Ah, okay. Uh, Joining the same year as Captain Nigel. I've resigned. Yesterday, operating my last journey as an airline pilot, a profession I've enjoyed immensely over the years. Uh, I finished as I began, turning a full circle, beginning on the Boeing 747, flying all editions from the Dash 200 up to the Dash 8, with interludes on the 777-200-300ER, and to pay for my sins, the A330 and A340-300, <laughs> accumulating over 27,000 hours total. I leave to become a full-time ski bum, practicing my yodeling, and a perfect perfect my Alphorn playing. Wow, I can't wait to hear it. The hills, are alive with the the hills will definitely be alive. <laughs> Get it, you know. Uh, hills are alive. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'll be living five minutes away from an airfield, so plan to learn to glide as well. The skies will not still not be safe for a while longer. 
In conclusion, I cannot express my feelings more succinctly than that famous poet laureate, Frankfurter, from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Frankenfurter. I'm sorry, Frankenfurter. What did I say? Frankfurter. Oh, Frankfurter. Frankenfurter, my bad, from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, I've seen blue skies through the tears in my eyes, and I realize I'm going home. Keep the blue side up. Captain Captain Peter and we need to give a big round of applause for an amazing career, Captain Peter. Wow. What do you say? How many years? Forty something? Forty one years. Yeah, I was looking at it. I may have done him a disservice, suggesting he came from the Air Force, but it's the common uh, nickname we used uh, for the Air Force was to call it the mob. But perhaps he's just picked that up. yeah, I wasn't sure when I read that. I thought, well, it could have been could be a typo, but maybe that's just a way of expressing that by saying. Yeah, mob. it is to be, but uh, yeah. still a fantastic career. I'm amazed he stuck it uh, in Hong Kong for so long. Uh, they've had some very turbulent times in the last uh, decade, at least. Yeah, if not longer. Uh, this is an article from BBC News: Hong Kong COVID, the Cathay pilots stuck in perpetual quarantine have some pictures associated with this article. Uh, there is uh, the interior of uh, or a room at the Penny's Bay Quarantine Center in Hong Kong. Nice. Um, That's pretty it's basic. one of those shipping containers. Looks like your guest room, right, Carlos? Yeah. yeah. Wait a minute. What yeah. is that voice I'm hearing? It's a different <laughs> voice. Hang on. Uh, no, it's Steph. Steph shaved her head. Steph. She's taken her oh. wig off and oh. put her... And grown a beard. Put her facial hair back on. <laughs> yeah, she just uh, relocated the hair from the top of her head to the to the bottom of her face. Oh, hello, uh, hello, Sorry, Armando. The PTUK, the PTUK takeover, takeover. Of, yeah, looks of like APG it. has has We're, commenced. We, I, I'm going to have to uh, put a guard at the front door here of the cabin. Who knows who's going to come and break into our show next? <laughs> well, the t- the timing is off. He yeah. should have been there. Mr. Bond should have been there. Yeah. Maybe Fred's on his way. Fred might be on his way. You're right, Liz. Um. Anyway, uh, well, welcome, Armando. Um, Hi, Armando. We'll, we'll uh, talk to you in a moment and get all caught up with what, what's happening with you. Well, we just heard uh, Steph's call for help at the north side of the lake that there was a squatter in her house, and I'm ah. here to to rectify the situation. I see. Okay. Well, so nice to have you uh, with us. Um, shall I continue with the uh, article or not? Okay. Finish this off. And then um, okay. So this is the interior of one of these uh, shipping containers and uh, these lovely uh, at the lovely Penny's Bay quarantine center. There's an exterior view of the place. Um, let's see. Pierre, a pilot with the city's flagship carrier, Cathay Pacific has spent almost 150 days in isolation this year alone. Though Hong Kong has recorded barely a, a low, any local coronavirus cases in recent months, the city has imposed an extensive testing and quarantine regime in line with mainland China's zero COVID policy. Pilots are not exempted from these rules, which means they spend an exceptionally large portion of their time either working or in quarantine. These tough measures start at the airport. Anyway, it goes on. Um, we were showing, I, th- I think that last photo that you were showing, Liz, was the the food that they give them, but I don't know. Uh, I do a lot of microwave uh, cooking here in my cabin. That actually looks better than what I've been eating. So <laughs> That's that a standard UK ready meal, or yeah. what we like to refer to as a ding-ding dinner. Ding-ding dinner with the microwave mm. going ding-ding? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Dinner, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I suspect, though, after having to do eat that kind of food all the time must be 
Yeah, it probably gets old. Pretty miserable. Yeah. Anyway, and then there's another article here that he's included. Uh, One World Cockpit Crew Coalition um, condemns the treatment of Cathay Pacific pilots. It's just a sad situation for them over there. It really is. Yeah, they're going from uh, isolation in a hotel room to uh, isolation at home. Uh, and the only time they're spending in between is in the airplane, and it's got to weigh you down eventually. Um, it's just got to be very depressing apart from anything else. Yeah. Uh, quite horrendous, um, and I can't see a way around it. But it looks like uh, Hong Kong, sorry, Cathay, are going to hire hundreds of more pilots to compensate for the hundreds of pilots that are in isolation for these huge lengths of time which is going to be very difficult for everybody because uh, how you can afford to double your workforce um, and then still pay everyone the same money, I have no idea. It sounds pretty dismal over there. Yeah, Yeah, it does. Well, anyway, let's go back to the positive uh, news and uh, congratulations to uh, Captain Peter for a great career. and, uh, And I look forward to hearing him play the Alphorn and uh, on those you know. I think I can hear it now yeah Ricola. <laughs> yes. sounds like he's going to have a great retirement yeah it does it does oh wait there were some uh, oh did I oh we have those pictures don't we of uh, oh that was somebody else that's Singapore Rich I'm getting confused yeah no no don't yeah, okay yeah. Um, so let me, uh, open up this new video here and get it ready to go. Okay. We have some more feedback. Uh, this from Greg Peterson, the big ass. Yeah, well, let's on. talk to Armando and find out what's been happening with him before we move on with more feedback. Oh, well, hello. Hello. <laughs> Not a whole lot going on. It's the holidays. Everything slows down. Yeah. How okay. are you guys doing? Well, that's good enough. Let's go on with the, uh, feedback. On. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. We need to, you know. Save some content for PTUK for uh, like three weeks from now when we no, we don't next. No, we don't. Uh, Everybody oh, would have oh. forgotten it by then, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a live audience here as well. Yeah, Megan's back there, if you guys can tell. I've been kicked off the show. I'm just going to be uh, sitting here consuming beverages and listening to one side of the conversation. Oh, so we can talk about uh, Steph and Megan and yep. they won't oh, hear yeah, what they we're can't saying. Hear yeah, anything. they can't hear anything. Okay. Nope. Okay. A what? Wait a minute. <laughs> really? How did she just, just hear what I just said? <laughs> that is so oh harsh. Goodness. Oh, wow. Oh. I can't believe wow. you said that. What? I can't believe Nick just said that. That is just <laughs> terrible. Is he a ventriloquist? Yes. It's an amazing piece of ventriloquism. <laughs> All right. So is that is that good enough, Liz? Do we have to spend any more time no, with good. Armando? And you're right at the okay. one and a half hour mark. Just oh, at on. the one and a half hour mark, she says as well. Okay, good. Uh, let's uh, continue with this feedback from our big ass fan, our biggest ass fan. (laughs) That's uh, Greg Peterson working for the big ass fan company. Yes, it's real name. Uh, he said, when you were discussing the feedback from Spencer about, would you tell them to to, to keep it down, keep it down a little bit? (laughs) Guys, live recording in process, (laughs) progressive. Anyway. Uh, when you were discussing, I wish I had a better setup so that they could hear everything going on. But they're really just going to hear when Carlos and I pipe in on things, oh, and we'll have to make out in the kind of uh, piece together whatever it is that's going on. But I think they'll be okay. Tell them here. to use an iPad. Yeah, they could. You guys could listen in on your phone or something. 
Yeah, we'll just play they it. just want to make oh, well, out. I've got more headphones, I, I think. Megan. Nah, nah. <laughs> nah not very we could, but nah, it's, it's fine. It's fine. So, uh, no, lovely, lovely to have you guys here. Thanks for uh, hanging out over the holidays. It's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, Jeff is oh, in suspended Jeff, animation. Jeff I'm trying. I'm trying to find. Jeff's no, I'm trying to find something. I can't find it. I was trying to find the the porn groove music that I had. Because <laughs> we're looking at them in the background there on the. Oh, okay. They are quite the cuddly sofa. back there. Yeah. It's a comfy sofa back there. Anyway, I guess we, we should. need the. Um, PTUK Patreon music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Family show. Family show. Family show. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. Uh, so let's, uh, let's start this again. Uh, this is from Greg. He works for the Big Ass Fan Company, and uh, he's one of our biggest ass fans. Uh, when you were discussing the feedback from Spencer about bird strikes, Liz asked if you hit a turkey, if it was okay to take it home for Thanksgiving. Well, if you hit a turkey, it must have been a runway incursion because we all know from WKRP in Cincinnati that turkeys can't fly. See the link below. Okay, so are we now? I know that this is probably going to take this video completely off, <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. Here we go. We'll all right, fellow babies, and now it's time to go to our live remote man on the scene at the Pinedale Shopping Mall for the big WKRP turkey giveaway. So, take it away, Les Nessman. This is Les Nessman, your man on the scene here at the Pinedale Shopping Center where the excitement is mounting. We're here to witness the big WKRP hey, turkey Thanksgiving giveaway. Hey, you got permission to be out here? What? You're blocking my store here, buddy. Don't you know who I am, huh? I'm Les Nessman. I won the Buckeye Newshawk Award last year. <laughs> Good for you, Buckeye. Now get out of my doorway. I'm sorry. Creep. <laughs> so far, so good. Huh? I'm here with part. hundreds of people who have gathered to witness what has been described as perhaps the greatest turkey event in Thanksgiving Day history. All we know for sure is that in a very few moments, there are going to be a lot of happy people out here. Now, the crowd is... The, the crowd is uh, curious, but well-behaved. And I think I hear something now. Uh, the crowd is moving out into the parking area. And, oh yes, I can see it now. It's a, it, it's a helicopter. And it's coming this way. helicopter? It's flying something behind it. I can't quite make it out. It's a large banner. And it says, uh, happy thanks giving from W-K-R-P. Ladies and gentlemen, what a sight. The copter seems to be circling the parking area now. I guess it's looking for a place to land. No, something just came out of the back of the helicopter. It's uh, a dark object. Uh, perhaps a skydiver plummeting to the earth from only 2,000 feet into the air. Second to the third. There's no parachutes yet. Skydivers. I can't tell just yet what they are, but oh my God, they're talking! Oh, 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 o
guys running around pushing each other. Oh my goodness! Oh, the humanity! <laughs> shopping mall has just been bombed with live turkeys. <laughs> Film at 11. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> All right. Oh, it's such a classic. That is such Thank a classic. You have to watch that every Thanksgiving. The best Thanksgiving episode of a sitcom ever. So Greg was thinking, you know, Liz, you should have known. I know. Turkeys can't fly. Yeah. My bad. (laughs) Thank you, Greg, for uh, pointing that out to us. Our terrible mistake. And uh, anyway, that was always fun. Hopefully, uh, we'll still have the uh, APG on YouTube in the future. I'm not sure after playing that. No, that that definitely got flagged. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Have you got an email yet? Not yet. Well, I should check. I don't know. Maybe I have. Um, let's continue on, uh, with, uh, the theme of bird strikes. Uh, we have this feedback from Can we do a disclaimer about the, oh, the, uh, slides at all. A little gruesome. Oh yeah, I'll do that. Yes. I'll, I'll warn people if they want to look away. Um, yes, we have this from Nick, uh, a heron strike at, at Bologna, uh, Bologna. Is that the, Bologna. Hi, APG crew. First, huge congratulations on reaching 500 episodes. What an achievement. Or is it what? An, an achievement? achievement? Uh, <laughs> thank you for all the hours of information, procrastination, and entertainment you all keep on giving. You're welcome. Hey. Yay. I uh, thought I'd share the link below of what happens to be a very scary multiple bird strike today on the 26th of November uh, at Bologna, Italy. As this occurred on short final and with the screen so obstructed by Heron Bolognese. See what I did there? That's him speaking, not me. If the crew weren't already performing a Cat 3 ILS approach, how would this be best dealt with? What is the decision process in continuing the approach? Sorry for the gruesome images. At least we all know what the last thing was to go through the Heron's head when this happened. It's arse. Ba-doom, bam. Uh, blue, slide time. blue skies, tailwinds, and keep the herons off the front of your airplanes. And this is from Nick B. And here we go with some images that uh, are kind of yucky. They have some bird guts on them and such. There's the uh, engine. Uh, one of the birds obviously went in there. There's a, some residue on the flap section. And, of course, the beautiful windscreen. And his question is, you know, if they hadn't set up for a Cat 3 approach, how would they be able to see through for landing? But it looks like there are enough little clear places there to 
safely continue Just put to the, the windshield wipers on. Yeah, that would make it even do you have the, better. Do you have this, the squirt, this, the fluid to like no. squirt the windshield wiper fluid? No, on we the don't jets. have the squirter. Oh, that's... Yeah. We used to, but they, they took it out because it used to be for de-icing the windshields and it was carcinogenic, so... Mm. Yeah. It would like, be nice if they just replaced it with... Car wash stuff. Yeah, what was yeah. it? What, what was that liquid called? Uh, uh, Nick was it Agent Orange, I think. Agent Orange. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we said it, it smelled of oranges. Oranges, Yeah, so. mm-hmm. yeah, it was very, very toxic, and they all the airplanes it was all taken out. But um, anyway, hmm. what's to be said about that other than ugh? Well, it was a good job there wasn't any spaghetti to go with it. In your heron bolognese. Oh, with the bolognese, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. very nice, Nick. Uh, now, on a serious point, uh, if you get this sort of a problem on the approach, um, you have to make a decision as to whether to go around, deal with the issue, or uh, continue. And you just take the safest option, quite honestly. If you've got time to assess uh, and deal with any um, emergencies that might have happened as a result, um, you know, a flat problem or whatever might might have been triggered um, before above a thousand feet. Then probably uh, the best thing uh, is to deal with it and then press on and land. Uh, if you're below a thousand feet, often the best thing is to go around. If you're doing a cat three, you don't really want to go around. You might want to continue, but that's really in the event of an engine failure. Sometimes it's safer to continue with an engine failure than it is to try and go around our, our in very poor weather. But uh, really, that's kind of why we're paid the big bucks if you're an airline pilot, and uh, you should have already thought about what you're going to do in various situations, and you just assess what's going on, make a decision, stick to it, and then having made that decision, fly whatever your choice of maneuver is very well. Or do what I do, just wing it. Huh. Just stick your fingers in your ears, Jay Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> it'll all go away. Yeah, close Absolutely, your eyes. Yes. Click your heels you together. Cloud to fly in. You click Are your you heels really together fast? and say, "There's no place like home. There's no place there like go. home." Can I just consult with you for a minute before you move on there? Okay, I'm going to have a consultation now with the producer director. I have a feeling that I must be in very, very big trouble. You're not. Hang you're on. not in uh-oh. trouble. Uh oh. Okay. No. Okay. So. Uh, Santa's bringing a lump of coal. Do you want to go to the plane tail next and save some of the feedback for afterwards? We've only got four pieces left. Like, what do you want to do? I sort of thought maybe we'd go uh, plane tail now and then do a few feedbacks and then finish it up. Or what do you want? Yeah, it looks very serious. serious. I'm not not sure. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Liz. I didn't know that that saying that would offend you so much. Um, (laughs) I I understand. I understand. Okay. All right. Okay, I'll make the announcement. Liz has decided to step down. Uh, and we're looking for somebody that might be interested in becoming producer director of the uh, of the No, just kidding. She didn't say any of that. Um, yeah, I think we should go with the They can't hear any of this, so they have no idea why we're pointing at them right now. It's great. Yeah. I'm Congratulations to the new APG producers. Have a new job starting next week, Megan. Megan. All right. Megan's already yeah. a volunteering. Right. Anyway, so uh, I think that's a good idea, uh, Liz. Let's uh, let's go with the uh, plain tale next. Yeah. All right. So let me get to that point where I can actually push the correct button. Yeah. Very well. Come on, come on. 
<laughs> oh, you guys disappoint me. Oh no, 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 no. I was there with you. Okay. I just I didn't I wasn't sure if I could appropriately say <laughs> you, that or you, not. You guys um, you guys need a mat on this show. No, that's part of the charm of our show is that okay. Matt is not here to police us. Yes. Um, okay, true. Yeah. <laughs> that's see, that's what what Steph is supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah except it's a, perpetu- it's a perpetual fail. Not the right person for that. And job. usually, I'm the instigator. <laughs> not the right person. Anywho, all right, let's do this. Uh, we have some more feedback uh, for sure, but uh, not a lot left. So we're going to go go ahead and uh, kind of uh, mix it up a little bit and uh, play. This week's installment of the old pilot's plane tales and this show's uh, version or episode is entitled how it starts. The old pilot's plane tales how it starts. How do you get a pilot going? Well, in the old days, it started with a hand crank. Stop tittering in the back, Nielsen. It's true. Before the days before automatic methods, starting an aircraft engine relied on a brave man who was paid by the week, usually a few notes in a brown envelope, and often sporting a large moustache and a grubby set of overalls. In the military, the wearing of empire-building shorts with long socks and a pith helmet was obligatory. In order for hand starting to work, the propeller had to be attached so that our poorly paid mechanic could turn the engine over top dead centre when the prop was more or less horizontal, since that was when the engine would fire and start. For those not familiar with the workings of a reciprocating internal combustion engine, top dead centre refers to the position of the piston when it's at the highest of its movement within the cylinder. Sparking plugs were usually fed their ignition pulse just before top dead centre, the most efficient point, but during a swing start, this could easily result in a kickback that might end in a few flying finger ends. In order to prevent too many digits disappearing, aircraft engines were fitted with an impulse coupling. This spring-driven device increased the speed of the magneto for a stronger spark and delayed the spark an appropriate amount of time to give easy starting. As an aside, the kickback of a piston engine is all too well known to those who had a motorbike with a kickstarter, like my Tiger Cub, or a hand crank, like my Austin A40. Despite this, as engine size increased, it became harder to swing a prop often requiring two beefy chaps to hold hands and coax an aircraft into life, singing that famous prop swinger's song, Ring Around the Roses. Enter the Huck Starter. A device invented by Captain Bentfield Hux of the Royal Flying Corps, it was brought into service just as the First World War ended. Based on the chassis of a Ford Model T truck, When suitably disengaged from the wheels, it used the truck's engine to turn a long chain connected to a metal shaft supported on a gantry. The metal shaft could be manoeuvred into place, so it engaged with a claw clutch mounted on the propeller boss. When fired up, the shaft would turn the aircraft's propeller, and when the aircraft engine ran faster than the huck starter, the clutch would be forced to disengage. 
Very soon, hug starters could be found all over the world, but particularly in the British Commonwealth countries and the United States. They were superseded by internal starters, but remained in use with the Soviet Air Force during World War II for such aircraft as the Aleutian IL-2. They're fairly rare now, but one is in frequent use at the Shuttleworth Collection at Old Warden to start their well-preserved Hawker Hind biplane. I mustn't forget to mention that a common type of hand swing involved wrapping a rope around the propeller shaft and pulling that to turn the engine over. This kept folk out of harm's way unless they were foolish enough to take a turn or two of rope around their hand to improve their grip and then the engine kicked back or the rope became tangled in the prop, dragging them into the danger zone. Pull cords are actually still used in some early motor gliders, such as the Slingsby Falk, and can be pulled from the cockpit. The 1930s bought more bang for your buck, as cartridge starters were becoming commonplace, the best known of which is the Kaufman starter. Such starters had been around for a while, as getting very large engines going was difficult without some strong motive power. On aircraft, they had the advantage of being simple and lightweight, and a number of engines used this method. It involved firing a large blank cartridge and then using the expansion of hot gases developed by the burning cordite. They could either be ducted straight into the engine cylinders to force them down, or alternatively fired into a separate cylinder and piston arrangement that would crank the engine through a geared starter ring. The primary disadvantage of the Kaufman starter was the need to keep a supply of cartridges handy, although some starters resembled a revolver with five chambers that would cycle round after each use, presenting a new cartridge for the next time. Smaller engines could use a blank shotgun cartridge, but bigger ones needed something that resembled an artillery shell. This type of device survived mainly in the military well into the jet age and were used on such engines as the Rolls-Royce Avon and the Hawk Hunter and the English Electric Canberra. I remember that the Canberra's large brass used cartridges were prized possessions and when at foreign civilian airfields they were often required to bribe the refuelers to get prompt or even any service. They were certainly in use when I started training, as the venerable de Havilland Chipmunk T-10 employed them to get the engine going. I remember well the metal ring attached to the firing wire that we had to pull to get the thing going. Its use was followed by an inevitable loud bang and cloud of black smoke that cleared once the venerable inverted Gypsy Major rattled its way into life. The noise and vibration always managed to shake the after-start checklist right out of my head as I sat there on my uncomfortable parachute, wondering what the devil to do next. As an alternative to smoky pyrotechnics, some engines used a gas starting system that ducted high-pressure air from ground units into the engine. One such technique was used by the 1922 Bristol Jupiter engine, which powered the Bristol Bulldog, Gloucester Gamecock and over 120 other aircraft. 
Compressed air would be directed into the cylinders through a distribution circuit via non-return valves to turn the big nine-cylinder radial engine over until it started. Complexity, weight and the need for a supply of air cylinders made this far from perfect. Perhaps the inertia starter would be the answer to designers' prayers. For Willie Messerschmitt, it certainly was, as he used one to start the big Daimler-Benz V12 engine in the BF-109 World War II fighter. The main component of the inertia starter is a big flywheel on the side of the engine that is either cranked by a willing volunteer or in some cases a willing electric motor until it has enough kinetic energy stored in it to transfer to the engine. When the flywheel is engaged, it should have enough momentum to turn the engine over through a reduction gear until it hopefully starts. The great advantage of this system is that it doesn't need external equipment. The downside is that to have the inertia needed to start a big engine, it must have a lot of mass, extra weight that you don't really want to fly around with all the time. As aircraft became more sophisticated, manufacturers began to fit them with electrical systems. Initially, they were just simple generators driven by a propeller in the slipstream and used to charge a small battery. They weren't powerful enough to drive a starter motor. But eventually, the convenience outweighed the additional weight and complexity, in particular on aircraft like flying boats. The high engine position and inconvenience of a waterborne aircraft made hand starting an impossibility and the only practical solution was an electric starter. Such starters have been around in cars since 1896, when an English engineer first fitted one to an East Peckham-built Arnold, an adaption of the Benz Velo. Although early aircraft electrical systems weren't able to give the power needed for an electric start, the alternative was to use an external supply for starting. Early aircraft electrical generators were low voltage, but with more powerful engines, uprated ones could be attached to raise the system voltage to 12 or even 24 volts. In most cases, there were separate starter motors and generators, but in other designs, the starter remained permanently engaged, switching its role from starter to generator once the engine was running by using a second series of windings. The jet age presented a different series of problems for engineers, but perhaps surprisingly, the solutions to getting your jet engine wound up were similar. For a gas turbine engine to start, the compressor stages needed to be rotated to generate airflow through the engine. When they had reached a sufficient speed, fuel was introduced to the burner section and ignited by spark plugs. As pressure built up in the flame tubes, it sought the easiest way out of the engine through the turbine section, which powered the compressors. The starter would have to stay engaged until the engine had reached self-sustaining RPM. The simplest way to start a jet engine was to blow compressed air through the front, but that wasn't ever going to be a practical long-term solution. All that was needed was for the compressor to be spun up to a sufficiently high speed so it could draw enough air in itself. 
This could be achieved by a drive shaft connected to the main shaft of the engine. Now all that was needed was a way to turn that drive shaft. There are of course many ways to skin a cat and all of them have been tried with gas turbine engines. A favoured method for small gas turbines such as in cruise missiles and turboshaft engines used on some helicopters is using a geared hydraulic motor powered by oil pressure from a ground unit. Kaufman cartridge starters worked well on gas turbines but mainly on military aircraft as civilian operators balked at the expense and inconvenience of flying around with a supply of big cartridges. The Avpin starter was one that gained favour as a way of firing up the Rolls-Royce Avon fitted to the Hunter and Lightning. This evil fluid, otherwise known as isopropyl nitrate, is a colourless liquid monopropellant with a near-invisible flame. It doubles as rocket fuel and has a flashpoint of only 22.2 degrees centigrade, so must be handled with care and is classed as a low-sensitivity explosive. The reason that it was considered a suitable way to start a military fighter was that it could effect a near-instantaneous, simultaneous start of two engines, ideal for a fighter being scrambled. It was stored in a small tank in the spine of the aircraft, and on starting, a measured amount would be injected into a chamber, ignited, and the resulting hot gases directed through a turbine, which then turned the engine. Care had to be taken not to climb anywhere near the starter exhaust. Avpin also gave off pungent fumes that could clear a blocked sinus at a hundred paces and would easily have doubled as a CS gas replacement. There are many stories about its use in the RAF, including when a line mechanic thought it might make a good alternative to conventional lighter fluid. What happened to him on the next smoke break was never recorded. Although using compressed air through the intake was not a great way to start a jet engine, air directed into a gear turbine is nowadays the preferred method. The air comes from a variety of sources, but generally from either a ground supply or a unit housed in the aircraft. These units are known by various names, including the Auxiliary Power Unit, Jet Fuel Starter, Air Start Unit, or Gas Turbine Compressor. They are little gas turbine engines in their own right, which gives rise to the question of how they are started. Is there a smaller engine that starts the APU, and then an even smaller one to start the one that starts the APU that starts the main engine like a row of little Russian dolls? On modern airliners, the APU has other functions as well, such as powering the air conditioning system, the hydraulics, and the electrical systems as well. However, jet engines haven't always been started that way. The Lockheed SR-71 Blackbird used a pair of Buick Nailhead V8 engines mounted on a trolley to crank their Pratt & Whitney J-58 turbojets. Although Wildcat V8s and Big Block Chevy V8s were used as well. Not the first to do this, 
early German gas turbine engines such as the BMW 003 and the Juno 004 were cranked by a flat twin two-stroke piston engine attached to the front and hidden in the intake, which itself was started by a manual pull handle attached to a D-ring. So we've almost turned a complete circle with hand crank engines starting jet engines. I'm sure there are a few more out there, but whatever method you use to get yourself going, please take care and try not to lose any digits. Did you like that? I did like that. And it, <laughs> it reminds me of uh, something, and I'm trying to cue it up right now. Here we go. Still I can't get started. Can't get started with you. <laughs> Uh, I love uh, I love the whole subject of uh, getting started. At, at least in this case, uh, engines you're talking about. Well, yeah, most of us like the bit where you finish. But there you go. I like that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so, there's nothing quite like finishing a flight and going off to the bar for a couple of quiet beers. Yes. Oh yeah, th- th- I'm sure that's what you meant. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, now I just you just threw me off there Spit with out, that whole uh, you know the ending part, not the start part. Uh, oh, I love the uh, little <laughs> comments that you made in your on your slides, your overlays. Uh, uh, I didn't realize that Forrest Gump had anything to do with the uh, starting of that uh, biplane. Uh, one of the earlier slides there. Well, he had a long and illustrious career in the military, so yeah. I'm sure that was him. Yeah, it looked just like him. And then something about, you know, where's my lawnmower engine or something like that. I noticed <laughs> on one of them. <laughs> yeah. Lots of very, very uh, funny little comments that uh, well, Nick it has is made. Well, Christmas. Yeah. It's Christmas. Well, you'll see. Hey, where are those two going? Yeah, where are they going? Uh, <clears throat> are they going for? They've been given um, some chores to do around yeah. the house, actually. So. The ironing. Oh, really? Yeah, the ironing. Well, okay. tidy they're, your they're, also, they're also going to give Rick a run for his money in the extreme ironing competition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? Uh, oh. Yes. Okay. They're, no, you're what? They're not ironing, are they? No. Are okay. They, are they ironing the bed sheets? No. no. Should they? <laughs> okay, I, I've recently learned that's something that Carlos really enjoys in a chore. The bed sheets? Yes. Ironing the bed ironing. sheets. <laughs> Sunday morning chore for me is ironing at home. There you go. Wow. I was disappointed good. that my, my uh, clothes dryer just spits out clothes unwrinkled and there's no need to iron, really. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> Steph has this amazing tumble dryer that seems to iron your clothes for you, which is amazing. Yeah, we have some very fancy technology here over here in the U.S. I'm impressed. Oh, oh and Rick is actually ironing right now. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, Rick, can you hear us? Rick. Rick. Look over this way if you can hear hey, Rick. me. Yeah. Rick, is come he, on! Is he, take is he ironing a take yourself curtain. off mute. There we go. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Okay. There he yeah. Is. He's muted. <laughs> he was so he was so focused on what he was doing, he didn't want to look up. It's a shirt. That is a shower curtain. <laughs> it's a shirt. Yeah, okay. That's a shirt. Definitely got to sleep yeah. there. The but side. he's done that one bit like twenty like times. times yeah. Well, it's, it's I mean, very crisp. Very. Um, he is very starched. thorough. Yes. Very. Yes. Very thorough. Okay. Okay. Yes, Liz. I know. Time to time to move it on. I guess. Anyway, I did enjoy that, and thank you for the suggestion, Micah, for the uh, starting engines uh, plane tail. And let's continue with number nine. 
And, oh, hang on. Got to get something else ready to go here. Okay. Um, we have some feedback from Carl uh, Hood. Oh. And he says, hello, just passed my private check ride today. Yay. Yay. All right. This show uh, definitely kept me plugged into the aviation community, and I appreciate it so much. See you in see you Friday in Atlanta. And we did see him uh, mm-hmm. at the uh, Renaissance Concourse Hotel. So thank you, Carl, for coming. And uh, really uh, a big Massive congratulations. Congratulations, Carl. And what a fantastic name you've got. Yeah. Well, mm, yeah. We, we have questions about people whose name. Yeah, lots of questions. <laughs> is Carl, Carl with a C. I'm not sure. Anyway. Yeah. No, no. All good people. Yeah. Hey, Nicholas. Yes, mate. Um, number 10. Why don't you uh, take this one? Uh, okay. Uh, Jeffrey, poems inspired by flying. Uh, hello, Captain Nick. Oh, it's one for me. Well, I never. I wanted to say how much I appreciated your plane tale on APG episode 490, but I don't think I can. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, about the- <laughs> but it's impossible. <laughs> That was a very Captain Jack moment there where you just, you know, make up your own feedback. I like it. Exactly, yeah. About the origin of the poem High Flight. It was such an interesting story. I have to agree with you, uh, indeed. Absolutely lovely. Um, It brought to mind the time I took a close friend flying several years ago. This friend happens to be an accomplished published poet, and he wrote a piece loosely based on our flight. Uh, here is his poem. Feel free to share it sometime on APG. Um, do you want me to read the poem? Of course. That's why I selected wow. you for this. Oh, okay. Well, Jeffrey, here we go. Uh, it doesn't actually, well, I'm not sure if it has a title, or perhaps that first word. Maybe is consciousness the title. is the title. Yes, here yeah. we go. Uh, a poem called Consciousness. Our piper swoops down over a stitch of the river, spooking up ducks and one muskrat stirring snow along the banks, edging the meadows, then pulls high, trimming the treetops as we skim clouds and forget our names in the crown of the high-speed instant, hearing the rough and tumble air jamming against the engine while a huddle of deer lifts ears and twitch. A fox pair visible by their wicking tails, denning down and the earth folds under, ridgeline wavering, blue, purple, black, auburn. And now a house flares out, alone in a field, the sheltered wheat, horses snorts of cold memories, the landing coming closer, the plain altering, river brimming, ground beating, the tube and rag of the body fallen. And that's by Z.H. Uh, Tomaszewski. Tomaszewski? Tomaszewski. Thomas, no, oh, Thomas, Thomas Shevsky. Tomaszewski. Tomas- 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 I gave you a pronunciation guide right there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get as far as Z.G. Tomaszewski. Very, very Beautiful, beautiful. I'm going to say, I'm not sure if the breaks in the way it's written are the the timing of the not poem sure or where the comments go so if it's not quite as the author meant i do apologize but very nice I think he good feelings well. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think you did an outstanding job. And I was that part of the poem when they, and they were talking about the deer. I was thinking of of Steph's lakeside uh, cottage and it's, and the deer <laughs> My, uh, walking uh, gracefully and then in front of the There's cheek. our title. <laughs> oh dear. But that's why she got a pink cheek so the blood here. wouldn't yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it our does, title. Does do well for blending in. Um, yeah. Yes. 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 Anyway, very nice, Jeffrey. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, thank Beautiful you. Beautiful poem. Oh, you're not talking to me. Okay. Yes, Jeffrey, Jeffrey from, from Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids, GRR. That's a beer town, let me tell you. Founders Brewing. Well, they have to. The water's bad. Yeah. Oh, Liz says they have to because Speaking. the water's... No, you're thinking of... Um, of uh, the other Flint, you're oh, thinking of yeah. Flint, well, Michigan. Michigan, yeah. Michigan. Speaking I think, of, I think the water's okay in Grand Rapids. Yes, founders. Uh, yes, uh, Carlos, you want to read this next one uh, from Jonathan, uh, number eleven. Just number click on it. Yep. 11. There. there we go. Yeah, this one is from Jonathan, and uh, he says, "Hi, PG crew, long time listener, first time feedback." I think. He says, apologize, sorry. After listening to episode 498, I thought I would, uh, I could just help you keep close to the 50% mark, which I know you guys strive to yes, that's our here goal. on APG. Uh, during the show, there was feedback about, <laughs> feedback about the RC135 rivet joint intercept and the story said about the rivet joint being a US Air Force aircraft. Although Nick said about the RAF-1s being at Wellington, the U.S. Air Force have almost permanent detachment of RC-135 uh, rivets joint operating from RAF Mildenhall. Yes, that is 100% true. I can definitely tell you that. Uh, these are on detachment from the 550th G based at Offutt Air Force Base, Nebraska. Uh, they've been working from there for quite a few years, so it's likely that the rivet joint in the story was indeed a US Air Force one based in the UK. Over the past few years, they have lots of different locations of the white tops that turn this side of the pond, including the RC-135U Combat Scent and the WC-135W Constant Phoenix. Along with the 55th at Mildenhall, the US Air Force have a detachment from the 9th RS based at Beale Air Force Base on a long-term deployment at RAF Fairford with the U-2. It seems the UK is a bit of a US Air Force recon hub. Uh, he says, I hope this helps keep you above the 50%. You don't need to read this story out if you don't want to. <laughs> Too late. But we already have. <laughs> Purely just passing on Dang some Dang it, I wish info. I'd known that. <laughs> uh, he says, looking forward to the 500th show, which we all did, and it was amazing, and still praying to the rooster, roster, roster gods, I should say, roster gods, to let no, him No, I prefer the rooster god. I always <laughs> yeah. pray for chickens. Very similar. Is that like I prefer yes. cock? Uh, to come to the UK and what a beautiful event. Cock it is. Uh, Tailwinds, he said, please, he said, P.S., please find it. You did it again, didn't you? Yes. I'm so used to pushing that button on my mouse from RF Mildenhall, and they fly very low as well. I would mm, say, yes. yeah, yeah, like the helicopters. Yeah, yeah. I oh, loved yeah, the your commentary there. Thank you. And the one three fives do fly just as low as the Apache sometimes. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Thanks, Jonathan. That's great. Yeah, well, all I'm going to say is that the original Newsweek item said Russia fighter jet intercepts UK aircraft over Black Sea. And it looks very much like a library picture 
of a USAF uh, rivet joint. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say that's still very much in doubt, and we've definitely adhered to 50%. There's only a 50% doubt as to which country's <sighs> aircraft it is. Uh -huh. Yes. Um, what gave that, I, you know, Nick has such a trained eye for aircraft recognition, <laughs> and I was just wondering what exactly was it that gave you the clue that that was a USAF a version of the uh, rivet joint in that picture. Um, oh, it's all we, the rivets and the joints. Oh, and maybe the USAF the letters on there? Okay. <laughs> Written on the side? Uh, yeah, and those, oh, and possibly. Those Pratt and Whitney um, <laughs> yeah. engines. Well, I, which, um, the reason I can say it's a library picture is because it would be very unlikely that you'd be able to get a picture like that while it was on a mission, but there you go. All right. I suppose it could have been a, uh, a mission. Ah, a, a photograph that a Russian <laughs> took whilst barrel rolling <laughs> over it. There I was inverted over a rivet joint, smoking my rivet. Yeah, the only, the only kind of joint I've been in wasn't a rivet joint. <clears throat> um, I, I honestly have never heard of the name of this uh, special um, mission, uh, one thirty-five. So I've never ever. Here. Heard of rivet joint? Yeah, because it's, it's secret. Oh, Shh. you're not Oop. supposed to know about Damn it. it. It's right. No oh, one's well. supposed to know about I'll it. I'll fix it in secret. post. Yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> edit that, Sorry. baby. Good man. Thanks, Jonathan, for the feedback. We do appreciate it. And finally, well, we're going to have another nice short show today for a change, uh, relatively speaking. That is. Um, this is from Singapore Rich. Hi, Liz. Hope you are well. Wait a minute. No, this yeah. is for Liz. <laughs> Not for the rest of us. Anyway, he said, I thought it easier to post here to you as you are the person in charge and I trust with all things APG. Right. Very sensible. Yep. That's true, actually. Smart, mm -hmm. man. Yeah. Uh, my latest and coolest hoodie, which I will wear and take pics on my future travels around the world. Well, when it's winter, of course. And uh, he's in Singapore, so he's yep. not going to wear He's it in there Singapore. Yeah. Uh, two photos. First one, my wife says I look like a dork and sorry <laughs> about my short shorts and I should never be seen in public. Ha ha. <laughs> a, you you got to love the nice things that your wives say about yeah, you. Yeah, spousal, uh, spousal compliments support. are the best, aren't they? They are. They are. <laughs> and yeah, the second one is me loving my APG hoodie. And Captain Nick, the aircraft above is a A340-600 if I was talking with you. Uh, with an API in hand. However, if I was chatting with your father, it's a 747. Congratulations to you all on your 500th episode. I was there in the background. Great stuff. Love you all. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Singapore rich. Brilliant. Yeah. Very cool. Well, yes. Look, looks very uh, A374T. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, it yes. does. Exactly. It's the A374. Um, uh, aircraft model. I think something. you nailed it. Very, uh, <laughs> very cool um, design on that, though. Like, is it? It's made out of wood, and it's kind of painted these blue and um, pattern designs. Yeah. Yeah. Not really what? sure what to make of that. APG Airlines. Mm. APG Airlines. Uh, Liz says. Well, yeah. it's all very um, aviation oriented, except for the seahorse and the um, <laughs> starfish. Starfish. Yeah. Starfish, yes. Uh, on the, on the door. Sure on the door. Yeah. But all, then all it all fishy if you ask me. But it, she, he ties it in with that poster right there because it's a flying boat. 
So you got the sea and the aviation and you have the starfish and the, yeah, I think it's very clever. Thank you, Singapore Rich. I mean, that that feedback was rich. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, that is going to do it for today's show. And uh, this is where we always, well, first of all, we'll, we'll thank our special guests um, primarily, uh, Carlos Stebbings, uh, uh, thank you from the PTUK yeah, and the other so. PTUK guy that has disappeared with his lovely wife. <laughs> he's, I don't uh, him. They're, they're, they're somewhere else in my house and he's still sending us like kind of feedback and chat room stuff. He was going back to the rivet joints and he says, Oh the, yeah, there uh, you go. The UK and US versions are exactly the same. The, U- the only difference is the UK one doesn't say OF on the tail for off it. Uh, and he did send some pictures, but he just sent it to our group chat here which i i, I think ours this. also have um raf randalls on and i th- mm. i think that and they don't have USAF printed on the wing right uh, and i think the U- <laughs> you know what though i i think the uk versions do say off it on it says get off it anyway yeah thank you for thank you for allowing me to join you on the show this oh afternoon. There was, there was I no don't think we had it. any choice, did we? Just no, no, we did not. Yeah, <laughs> I, I forced them actually. I had to yeah. sign a. I had to sign another. You waiver. had to sign a waiver actually. Yeah, to, to, yeah. Yes. No, yes. I had uh, Carlos promise me when I left him at the Atlanta airport early in the morning on Sunday <laughs> that uh, he would insist uh, that uh, Steph have him on the show and that both of you show up for our show. I had show to find an Tuesday. extra chair for him to sit in here with me. Well, I knew it would be difficult for you. Like but. such a imposition. Yes. <laughs> what kind of position? An imposition. Yeah. Um, so, Although I will say there's a little bit more space in my studio than there is in the PTUK studios. Is there? Studios. Just a little bit. Uh, more yeah, space. I can vouch for that. Yeah. <laughs> a little tight there. Yeah. Close Never having been to Steph's house, I can already I can, say I can there is considerably. Steph. I know. Space. Yes. Like I'm like way over here. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, anyway, so thanks again, Carlos, for, uh, for joining us. Thank and you. please tell Armando, if he's still listening, Armando, thanks for joining us for a brief I think he's just time. standing right outside the door, actually. Oh, okay. Like, well, you kids have fun there in uh, in uh, Tiga K. Um, in Kakalaki. And uh, so now is the part of the show where we uh, point our... What is it? <laughs> he's in the shower? Is that what he said? He's in, he's in the shower, I think. Are oh, you in the shower? shower? He's with the hello. <laughs> I didn't know hello was in my bathroom today. That's crazy. Yeah, there he is right there. (laughs) You dropped the soap. Yeah. Okay. Please warn him if he if if Hillel drops the soap, don't try to pick it up. If Hillel drops the soap, don't don't pick that up. Just let it be. Yeah, this leave is it why on the they invented soap on a rope. It's, uh, it's touch and go out there. I'm not sure. <laughs> and this is the part of the show where Steph ta- tells us, no, first we talk about Airline Pilot Guy, the website. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff there. Check it out. And the other thing that we talk about is, where, and this is fun because uh, Steph and Liz try to coordinate So I know what things. order I'm going to say these things in. So I'm just going to go for it and see if Liz can Okay, let's up. see what happens. Right. Go yes. for it. Let's Twitter. Go. Twitter.com. Um, you can head over to the app or to the website. We are at APG Crew and our individual handles are pinned to the top of the page there. So please come hang out with us on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash airline pilot guy. Um, Instagram, 
I might get back around to reposting Nick's artwork occasionally. We're APG crew there as well. Say that every week. Um, I'm just such a slacker on Instagram, but you know, speaking of slackers, if you want to be a true slacker, I will toss it over to Hillel. Yeah, slackers. Let him slackers unite. Yes, Alicia. Get ready, Armando. Is Hillel in there? Coming. Oh, he's in my bathroom. Let's let's see if we hang on. Oh wait. How did yes, you get my bathroom mic'd up? Ask ask Hillel if he's there. Can he do hey, slack? Hello, can you can you do can you slack? Okay, but I'm dripping. Oh, that's, that's okay. It's, watch out, guys. I mean, he really means it. He's going to get water all over the place. All right, just let me know when. Uh, give me the thumbs up when he's uh, there between you and he, he, he's here. Even Armando made it. Okay, back here we go. Uh, like, yeah. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack <laughs> is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. All right. Thank you, Hillel and uh, Armando. For, wait a minute. What's going on now? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Delta P. Oh, man. I'm going to have to clean that bathroom, aren't I? <laughs> it sounds like he's splashing all over the place. <laughs> Great. Thanks, it's weird. Man. I just saw him. He's already <laughs> telling everybody about Slack. <laughs> yeah. All right. And uh, with that, I oh, wait. I want to thank... Our wonderful producer, Liz, yes. in Toronto. Oh, listen to that. A great applause you hear in the background. Thank you, Liz, for all the work that you do. It's just amazing. We do appreciate you, and we do love you. Armando and I have to share a headphone here. It's this kind of Okay. And finally, we'd like to say, wishing you all clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Take care. God bless, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy. Good day. a good good pilot till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline